This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about here tonight. Uh, we're going to start things out. We're actually coming up. Hopefully, we're going to get a chance to give you an update on what's happening with old Sheriff Joe down in Maricopa County. Uh, but first, we go to a story that is pretty chilling. In fact, both of these stories are chilling, so it was tough for me to decide which one to go with. Uh, but we're going to go with this one. Washington Post reporting that the Maryland State Police classified 53 nonviolent activists as terrorists and entered their names and personal information into state and federal databases that track terrorism suspects, says the state police chief himself as of yesterday. Police Superintendent Terrence Sheridan revealed at a legislative hearing that the surveillance operation, which targeted opponents of the death penalty and the Iraq War, was Though far... these sound like dangerous folks, opponents of the death penalty and the Iraq War. We would qualify as under that category. Yep. Uh, was far more extensive, he said, than was known when its existence was disclosed in July. The department started sending letters of notification Saturday to the activists, inviting them to review their files before they're purged from the databases. He told the Senate, the names don't belong in there. It's as simple as that. The surveillance took place over 14 months in 2005 and 2006 under administration of a different governor. The former state police superintendent who authorized the operation, Mr. Thomas Hutchins, defended the program in testimony yesterday. He said the program was a bulwark against potential Wait violence. Wait a second. This is the guy that administers the list? This is the guy that created, uh, he authorized the operation Okay. back in 2005. What a surprise. The guy that uh, is in charge of putting it all together, he, he's defending it. Yeah, he I says... Mean, you know, uh, it's his budget and everything. He says the program is a bulwark against potential violence and called the activists fringe people. Now, this is sounding awfully familiar to me, Mark, because I was sitting with you in a courtroom recently. Our friend Lauren Canario was sitting in federal court on a... It wasn't actually failure to appear. It was uh, protesting. No, excuse me. It, uh, she was in the IRS office, standing silently with a V mask on, and, and they disorderly to follow, conduct. Failure, yeah, failure to follow, to follow the orders the, uh, or whatever. Right, right. Failure to obey, I believe, is what the the charge was. And the prosecutor was up there begging the judge for a maximum penalty because the reason was because he believed that Lauren's activities could incite violence. He believed that this peaceful woman who never in her life has harmed another person, who was standing quietly in an IRS office, not disturbing anybody's business, as the government continued to call what went on in the IRS office, not disturbing anybody. The fact that this woman was standing there peacefully was somehow going to incite people to violence. That's what this sounds like right here. The idea that these activists against the Iraq war right. are If you're fringe. doing something that's if, – if you're standing up for what you believe in, you're a fringe person. Right. Yeah, apparently if you're – apparently if you just bow down and do whatever the state does, then you're okay. Uh, but if you actually believe in something and make it known, yep. then you're fringe and you deserve to be on a terrorist watch list. I mean these, these are people that are – Anti-death penalty, anti-Iraq war. That's not, I mean, they likely aren't even as far out as you and I are in our political beliefs. They're just anti-death penalty Mm -hmm. or anti-Iraq war. Sounds like Democrats to me. Sure does. 
Uh, and this ties into some stories we've heard of in the past where we've seen evidence and it's been admitted that police departments have, for instance, infiltrated activist groups – Usually leftist yeah. act- activist groups. Sure, they love to get involved in these things, and then they'd, uh, y- you know, I mean, if you're the if you're the police officer that's doing the deep cover, getting involved in these, <laughs> you know, the anti death penalty organization to see if they're terrorists, do you think it's better for your career if you find terrorists or if you don't? I don't know. I guess if you find them, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're the one who doesn't find terrorists, you're nothing. If you're the guy who finds terrorists, however, you're something. So you so, can add a bunch of names to some list. Do you and think you've... that there's a benefit to the person who's doing the infiltrating in creating terrorists? Yes, they might get a promotion, I suppose. Look, this is it, – it's just – It's crazy. This is dumb. Uh, it's, this is dangerous. It's more dangerous. than dumb, dumb because these people have not harmed anyone and they are not terrorists – but they've been added to a list of terrorists. Let me continue the story here from the Washington Post. Uh, Sheridan, this is the man that uh, – Sheridan is the person, I believe, who is against uh, – excuse me. Yes, I believe he's against the uh, the list. He said protest groups were also entered as terrorist organizations in the databases, but his staff has not identified which ones. Stunned senators pressed Sheridan to apologize to the activists for the spying, assailed in an independent review last week as overreaching by law enforcement officials who are oblivious to their violation of the activists' rights of free expression and association. The letter obtained by the Washington Post does not apologize, but admits that the state police have no evidence whatsoever of any involvement in violence crime by those classified as terrorists. Hutchins told the committee it was not accurate to describe the program as spying. Again, this is the, the man who organized the program, Mr. Hutchins. He says, I doubt anyone who has used that term has ever met a spy. What John Walker did is spying, said uh, he said, referring to John Walker Jr., a communications specialist for the U.S. Navy convicted of selling secrets to the Soviet Union. Hutchins said the intelligence agents whose logs were obtained by the ACLU of Maryland as part of a lawsuit were monitoring open public meetings. His officers sought a situational awareness of the potential for Disruption as death penalty opponents prepared to protest the executions of two men on death row. So because there was a potential for disruption, he said, I don't believe the First Amendment is any guarantee to those who wish to disrupt the government. He said he didn't notify. Of course he doesn't. Right. <laughs> clearly, that, I mean, uh, clearly anybody who thinks that a, uh, a death penalty protester is a terrorist, terrorist. Uh, obviously, he doesn't. He doesn't believe in the First Amendment. Period. No. He thinks if you want to protest, write a, write a letter to the editor. Here's yeah. a quarter. Call somebody who cares. This is the new America. I mean, this is the America. Country first. Rights. Who knows what those things are anymore? Hutchins didn't name the commander of the Division of Homeland Security and Intelligence who informed him in March of 2005 the surveillance had begun. More than a year later, after they said, we're not getting much here, Hutchins said he cut off what he called a low-level operation. But Senator James Brochin noted that undercover troopers used aliases to infiltrate organizational meetings, rallies, and group email lists. He called the spying a deliberate infiltration to find out every piece of information necessary on groups such as the Maryland Campaign to End the Death Penalty and the Baltimore Pledge of Resistance. When Hutchins called their members fringe people, the audience of activists who filled the seats in the hearing room in Annapolis at that time sighed, clearly. Uh, being frustrated over all of this nonsense. Some activists said yesterday that they have received letters. Others said they were waiting with anticipation to see whether they were on the state police watch list. Laura Listing of Catonsville, member of the Baltimore Coalition Against the Death Penalty, said she received her notification yesterday, and she wants a hard copy of her file because she doesn't trust the police to purge it. She said we need as much protection as possible. 
Both Hutchins and Sheridan said the activists' names were entered into the state database as terrorists, partly because the software offered limited options for classifying entries. So, well, the government uh, bureaucrat software is just not good enough, so we had to choose terrorist as the entry. Right. There was a death penalty activist. The police also entered activist names into the federal Washington-Baltimore high-intensity drug trafficking era, uh, area database, which tracks suspected terrorists. One well-known anti-war activist, Max Obuzeski, was singled out. Well was singled out in the intelligence logs released by the ACLU, which described a primary crime of terrorism anti-government and a secondary crime of terrorism anti-war protesters. So it sounds to me like their software lists some very clear options that describe peaceful protests hmm. terrorism hyphen anti-war protests protesters sheridan said he didn't think the names were circulated to other agencies in the federal system and that they're not on the federal government's terrorist watch list that's what he said he thinks hutchins said some names might have been shared with the national security agency <laughs> so Sweet. you know this cat's out of the bag as far as cleaning these names up from all the potential databases they could be on who knows how difficult that would be although the independent you know, and and <laughs> You know, you just think how awful it is to, for these people. But the, there's the terrorist watch list and then there's the no-fly list. Imagine if somehow you end up on the no-fly list. You can't fly. Right. Because, because you went to an anti-war protest. dumb Maryland state trooper decided to call you a terrorist because you're against the death penalty? Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. This is, the, uh, this is Free Talk Live. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. You're welcome to comment on this. Uh, there's a little bit more to the story on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. So enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is looking for libertarian students and recent graduates interested in careers in movies, film, animation, or video game production for their spring and su- summer and fall internships. All, predi- all positions are paid. Include participation in a career workshop. For more information, visit libertarianinternships.com. That's libertarianinternships.com. We're talking about a very disturbing story out of the Washington Post, but I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't be disturbing. Maybe it's just more of the same. Uh, over the last several years, there have been several instances of the government's government people at various different levels infiltrating peace groups, activist groups that are nonviolent. They're peaceful. They go and they hold signs and chant and stuff like that. You know, activism. That And so these cops have infiltrated the groups. They have not only done that now, we're discovering that in Maryland, the police there have taken uh, at least 50, over 50 names of some of these activists and placed them on terrorist lists. Lists of terrorists. They placed them in there as 
uh, the primary crime of terrorism anti-government or the secondary crime of terrorism anti-war protesters. This is in the high-intensity drug trafficking database. They also have a different database where they were putting people's names. They put uh, groups in as potential terrorist groups. So if you're in a member of one of these groups, even if they don't have your name, you're still considered a terrorist. And so some of this information is coming out, and obviously people, as they should be, are pretty disturbed about this because you have to ask yourself, how is it that they could be so confused about what terrorism is? I mean, if you go to the dictionary and you look up the word terrorism, I mean, I haven't done it yet, but I will do it here in a moment. I'm pretty sure it has to do with violence, you know, actually using violence in order to uh, achieve some sort of political change. Isn't that how you understand it, Mark? Uh, I would think that you cause terror through violence, yeah. Right, a uh, terror... Uh, t- Someone who is a terrorist is one who terrorizes or frightens others. Uh, terrorism is, excuse me, terrorist is one who engages in an act of terrorism. I guess I should have looked uh, looked up terrorism. Anyway, <laughs> yes, because by defining a word, that's, that's just a go. dumb. Number one, terrorism: the use of violence and threats to intimidate or coerce, especially for political purposes. These people who are protesting the death penalty and who are protesting the Iraq war, are not threatening They're actually anybody. protesting violence. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's what these violent people don't get. The, 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 the Maryland state troopers that they were sending in undercover, well, they use violence to do their job. They threaten people on a daily basis. Exactly. No wonder they don't understand what the definition of terrorist is. Well, you know what I think it is, Mark? I think it's the legal land world where a word can be redefined to mean something completely different. In the realm of legal land, you can change the government. The government system can be changed uh, through acts of civil disobedience, through acts of what the government might consider terrorism. I mean, because it's essentially a threat to their establishment. Civil disobedience and non-cooperation are threats to the status quo. They're threats to the government's legitimacy. Now, it's not violent. There's no violence whatsoever being engaged in, but the government itself is threatened, and therefore it feels endangered and feels as though it must take action against whatever people or entities or groups are out there uh, working against its active programs. So I bet you if you went and you dug around through the various different pieces of terrorism or anti-terrorism legislation that have been put out there at the national level or even at local and state levels recently, you would probably find out that the definition is very, very much wider than the standard dictionary definition, like, you know, to the point where anything that threatens the government in some way, that threatens the uh, the size of the state or the power of the state or something like that could be considered terrorism. That's my guess on this, because they can redefine words in legal land. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that they're redefining it or not. To me, uh, you know, it it, it seems like a, an overzealous bureaucrat. Here's a little more from the story from the Washington Post. Although the independent report on the surveillance released last week said it was part of a broad effort by the state police to gather information on protest groups across the state, one of the bureaucrats said the department is not aware of any surveillance as intrusive as the spying on death penalty and war opponents. So they got caught with their red, uh, their hands all red over this one particular, particular issue, and the bureaucrat is saying, well, th- that's as far as it went. There's nobody else we've been spying on. That's, a, that's it. Trust us. Yeah. The police notified the protesters at the recommendation of a former U.S. attorney 
to uh, who was assigned to review covert monitoring in a report last week. One of these bureaucrats also recommended regulations that forbid such spying on protest groups unless the state police chief believes it's justified. So, I mean, this is the, <laughs> this is their response. This is their concern. Uh, the the uh, the state attorney general is saying, well, now we've gone a little too far here. We can't be out there just spying on any old protest group. Uh, no, no, we should have regulations that prevent that unless the state police chief says it's okay. So that's going to be real hard to get approved, right? The state police chief, all he has to do is say, okay, and then they can go ahead and uh, spy on these groups? Really? I mean, this is so mealy-mouthed, so lame as far as a response. You cannot expect the government to do any sort of level of protecting your rights. You have to stand up for yourself. Because these bureaucrats and these politicians are not interested in it. They're interested in expanding the state, but at the same time pretending to give a damn Every about time you. the government expands in any way, shape, or form, your freedoms contract. It cannot expand without your freedoms contracting. Toll-free number here is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, there's more disturbing news, and Mark, I believe you have a story to share with us. But uh, actually, first we're going to go to your phone calls. Paula is on the line. Uh, calling from Florida. Hello, Paula. Hi, hon. How are you doing? What's on your mind tonight? Okay, we just heard something on the news said that uh, China is asking for a one-world currency, and some of the other countries now are asking for, for a one-world government and currency. Why would uh, China be asking for a one-world currency? I have no idea. But anyway, we heard something today on the Power Hour. I checked it out. They said that they were threatening everybody with this uh, anthrax vaccine, that they were going to force who's, everybody to take it. Who's this? Who's, who's they? It what? was on the power this morning. Well, I checked it out. <laughs> they, Mark. About it. They. But anyway, um, this thing, uh, I mean, I just don't see any way for this working. I mean, uh, the thing is now all the currencies are just basically a worldwide banking system, you know. And uh, I think it's what it's going to come down to because they said that they'd stop uh, minting this gold and silver coins. I don't think that it's very likely. I don't think what you're suggesting is very likely because the central banks. But I mean, you know, this is what I think it looks like they're working towards. Yeah, there are some people. I believe you that there are some people that would like to see a central bank worldwide and would like to see a uh, a UN style government overarching every other government in the world. No doubt about it. However, I don't think the people running the various central banks in each country are going to be too interested in that proposition well, because essentially that would be that losing their power. Not to mention that London, uh, the largest banking country or mm-hmm. excuse me, city in the world, makes a great deal of its money on uh, currency exchange. Thanks for the concern, Paul. Appreciate the call tonight. Don't believe everything you hear on the radio. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Mark, you've got a disturbing story coming up involving, what was it? Um, it's a... Uh, well, I'm ready to sell. Maricopa, to Maricopa County. Oh, yeah, office. old Sheriff Joe. We'll find out what's going on with him in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold, and responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those, including the archives. We've got an entire year worth of the program. Right there, front page of the website. Just click download. They are yours. Uh, Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy those on us. Also, visit freestateproject.org slash libertyforum and get signed up for the upcoming New Hampshire Liberty Forum happening in early March. Uh, You want to get on board with the Free Talk Live discount code 2009FTL. You need that to get a 10% discount on the already low early bird price of $199 for the entire weekend. That's uh, Now, of course, that doesn't include hotel or whatever it's going to cost you to travel up here. But you want to get here because the Liberty Forum is an amazing event. Uh, It's going to be gathering hundreds of liberty-loving people together, activists together, all in the same place for a wonderful networking, social opportunity, and at the same time, get to see some uh, liberty-oriented luminaries speaking, like John Taylor Gatto, uh, Mark Stevens from AdventuresInLegalLand.com, and Anthony Gregory from LewRockwell.com. Those are just a few of the early announcements. We're looking forward to some much bigger names uh, being announced as keynote speakers and that sort of thing coming up here at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. We've been at the last two of two. We're going to be at this one, so uh, we're looking forward to broadcasting live from there and meeting many of our listeners, and hopefully you. So go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum and get signed up. Don't forget to use the discount code 2009FTL. As we continue here with the story out of Maricopa County. What's going on down there in old Sheriff Joe land? A federal judge on Tuesday dismissed a lawsuit filed against the Maricopa County um, Attorney's Office by executives of the New Times uh, newspaper. The suit accused County Attorney Andrew Thomas and his office of negligence, conspiracy, and racketeering and violating the constitutional rights of two journalists, arresting, um, arresting them for publishing details of a grand jury subpoena. U.S. District Court Judge Susan Bolton additionally ruled that Sheriff Joe Arpaio and private attorney Dennis Wellenchick did not violate the free speech or First Amendment rights of editor Mike Lacey and publisher Jim Larkin. Um, the New Times was the subject of a criminal investigation last year by Wellenchick, who was hired by the county attorney's office as an independent prosecutor. He was asked to secretly explore whether the newspaper broke an obscure state law by posting Arpaio's home address on its website. So wait a minute. He was hired by the state government people, as in, or the county government, whichever one it was. He was state. hired by the state to be, Co- an independent pro- to be an independent prosecutor? That doesn't Correct. sound very independent to me. The people paying him were the people that wanted him to find something wrong, Right. I guess, yeah. Okay, go ahead. And and apparently, it's to see if he uh, broke some obscure state law by posting Arpaio's home address on the website. The story. I remember like, this story. We did, we talked about it on the air. Uh, you, we pretty much talk about everything Arpaio does down there. No, no, I'm sure we miss a lot. The story landed the editor's... This is the most corrupt sheriff in America. ...in jail for illegally revealing a secret grand jury investigation, but it also caused Thomas to fire Welnicek and end the investigation. The investigation ended in October 2007 when the newspaper published a story revealing Welnicek had obtained a subpoena seeking Internet records for all users of the paper, uh, paper's website. In a statement, Thomas said, I'm grateful that Judge Bolton has dismissed the county attorney's office from this frivolous lawsuit. <laughs> Neither Lacey nor Larkin could be, um, be immediately reached for comment. Wow. So basically this federal judge has backed up a, what is essentially a crackdown on free speech and freedom of the press. Uh, it, it certainly 
the the flexing of the muscles by the county attorney's office. Um, if it wasn't a, if it's not outright muzzling the newspaper, um, they arrested these report. They arrested these guys for publishing information they came across. Somebody brought. If this was a secret grand jury meeting or whatever, and I'm not sure why a grand jury needs to be meeting in secret, but if the grand jury was meeting secretly and somebody released that information to the newspaper, it should not be the newspaper's responsibility to do anything else but decide whether or not they want to publish it. You're it's right. not that they did not uncover the information illegally. You're right. It's news. Yeah. And it's supposed to be – what is this, First Amendment here? Let's see. I know this doesn't apply anymore, but it used to – I mean, it, people used to believe in this Constitution thing. Freedom of the press. Uh, no, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting free exercise thereof, abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, this is an independent judiciary, an in, independent judge here, um, completely independent of the uh, the county attorney's office, whom he does uh, business with on a regular basis, and they, uh, the sheriff, whom they do re- business with on a regular basis, ruling against the press. Uh, you, know, it, it, you know, what else could this be? So are we going to see more of this? Are we going to see more newspaper reporters arrested for revealing things that could possibly damage the legitimacy of the government? I mean, we just finished a story at the beginning of this hour about how uh, protesters, activists, are being put on terrorism lists for reasons like terrorism anti-government or terrorism, you know, anti-war protest or something like that. So now are we going to have uh, terroristic journalism? Where the journalism revealing governmental secrets and things like that could put the government in jeopardy, so therefore that's considered terrorism too. It would certainly uh, dovetail right along with this sort of behavior where we've seen – now we've seen reporters being arrested for newspapers. We've seen reporters for television stations and TV networks being arrested. There was that uh, gentleman for working for ABC News just a a couple months ago back at the – I believe it was the Democratic National Convention outside. He was trying to get get a story standing on what appeared to be a public way and was uh, assaulted and arrested. By the police, and then we can go back further, back to Miami, where there was the reporter for a Miami TV station standing out in front of, not even on the property of, but in front of the government school down there, Miami High School. He was arrested. This, and these are just a few of the stories. So, how much more of this is going to occur? Seems like just the tip of the iceberg, doesn't it? Police state anyone? Feel free. <sighs> you seem stunned, Mark. I, you know, I mean, I just, I just wonder how long it's going to be. So I know I've said it. Over and over and over again, but no republic has made it more than 250 years. Not one. And how, our, ours isn't going to make it either. What's going to? When's it going to be? When are they going to look back? What? At what point are they going to say this is when the republic of the United States of America disappeared and we slipped off into whatever socio, so, socialist fascist? iteration that we turn into are they going to say that it was the bush administration when they did away with posse comitatus mm-hmm. and uh you know made uh, uh made uh what's the i can't remember the legal term uh, uh, habeas corpus yeah. optional hmm. you possible know. i mean was it at that time that the president could declare somebody to be an enemy combatant and suddenly they 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 existed in this this weird netherworld of, of of labeling. You know, since you bring up the enemy combatant thing, I heard something on the news. I think it was this morning as I was as I was waking up. I heard the news report saying that there is apparently several Chinese prisoners down in Guantanamo Bay that are no longer considered enemy combatants, who are being uh, apparently some court is deciding to keep them there simply because they could be dangerous. Chinese. There's, this is what I – I could have been hazy. I could have been half asleep. I don't know. It's, 
Somebody can verify this for me, hopefully, but it sounded there, – there are no rules anymore, Mark. They can do whatever it is that they want to do, and if they get caught doing it – there's never even an apology. I mean, these guys in Maryland that were keeping track of uh, activist names on terrorism lists, they're putting activists down on terrorist watch lists. They didn't apologize for that. They were sorry they got caught, but they didn't apologize to the activists. This is some cr- scary stuff. And the more stuff like this happens, Mark, what you're going to see is even more obedience on the part of the media. I mean, already the media, for the the most part, is a lapdog for the government. And you're going to find them just denying it, denying it, denying it. I I mean, don't you realize in 1943, the average German just denied that they, you know, they, they would have denied that uh, they they were living in a fascist government. They would mm-hmm. have denied that their government was doing anything wrong. I mean, when they're finally, uh, you know, showing the, the the emaciated Jews from the the, the camps, obviously they couldn't say anything. But yeah. I don't think you're going to see something. They they've made that mistake before. They're not going to make that mistake again. Um, this is going to be something entirely different. But. You know, I, I just I, I think that people are going to continue to defend it. Yeah. You're, we're going to be deep, deep, deep into a police state. Well, even if you're not people, defending it, and people are still going to defend it, even if you're not defending it, even if all you're doing is shutting up and sort of flying under the radar and doing nothing, you're still part of the problem. If you're not speaking out about this, if you're not taking action, if you're not doing something to change this, you're part of the problem. More on the way. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, and if you like the show and would like to help support Free Talk Live, we need your vote. Please go to vote.freetalklive.com. Takes you only a minute. All you need to do is use your email address, quick verification to make sure you're a real person, and your vote will be registered for this month. It's a once-a-month sort of thing, so we don't ask you to do it too often. So please go to vote.freetalklive.com. It makes a big difference for us. You help us stay number one on the Podcast Alley Top Ten chart, where we currently are, but not by much. So we really need you. Please go to vote.freetalklive.com. And the world's largest machine gun shoot military gun show is this weekend, October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Knob Creek Gun Range, Knob Creek, Kentucky. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns, flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. It opens at 9 a.m. It's $10 per person. You can find out more at knobcreekrange.com. That's knobcreekrange.com. You know, before we go on with this police state fascist socialist news that we unfortunately have to deliver tonight, as we've been doing all hour, how about a little bit of positive news, huh? And then you've got clarification on this Chinese story that I sort of heard in my sleep haze this morning. But here's a little bit of good news for you. Number one, Kat Canning is out of jail early. She is the publisher and the editor of the New Hampshire Free Press. Uh, As we reported to you recently, she had been thrown in federal jail for 15 days on, as we were talking about Lauren earlier, Kat was charged with the same crime of failure to obey and sentenced to 15 days. She was let out early while Lauren was actually let out two days late. Lauren ended up staying in jail for 17 days instead of 15, Mm. and Kat was allowed out a handful of days early so very strange circumstances surrounding that i understand that cat is working on an article for the new hampshire free press uh, in regards to her experiences this was her first time going to jail uh, for 
non-cooperation, and so it should be interesting to to hear what her recollections are and her observations of uh, of her experiences. So looking forward to that. Uh, and again, what you can get more information on that over at nhfree.com, where she's been posting some uh, preliminary stuff over on the forums. I want to hold off on reading that until we get get to the final article, because uh, it should be very interesting the, what the, what they were doing. It sounds awful what these uh, jailers were, um, how they were treating her. So the good news is Kat's out of jail. Of course, obviously, originally her being put in jail wasn't such great news. I got to see Lauren today, got a hug from her, Lauren Canario, super lady. She's uh, doing the back directing at uh, Free Minds TV, our friends Nick and Toby over at freemindstv.com. Uh, I actually was on Free Minds TV this week, so I guess that's a little good news, too. I was talking about the couch uh, situation that I've been dealing with. We spent a good uh, – I was there for the entire show talking about non-cooperation in general and uh, some of the success that we've seen up here in New Hampshire with many recent instances of non-cooperation and civil disobedience. So be on the lookout for that upcoming episode. I'll probably send out an update to the updates list later this week, announcing it when it's available at updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, let's see. Other uh, interesting news, I suppose, related news, since I mentioned the couch situation, I did have a meeting this morning with the couch enforcer himself. I invited him out to lunch. He changed it to a breakfast sort of thing and met him out today. He refused to let me pay for him, so I tried. Uh, but we did sit down, had a conversation for about an hour and 15 minutes, and it was interesting. How'd it go? Uh, well, I, I would say it, it went pretty well. Uh, for those just tuning in, I've been under fire from the city of Keene, New Hampshire, for, having a, for allowing my tenants to leave a couch in their lawn. And they've been threatening me with fines. They tried to take me, to, or they want me to go to their court trial over this particular issue. And basically my position is I'd be happy to remove the couch as long as whoever the, uh, the woman is that complained about it, I know as much as it's a young woman. That's what I know now at this point. Uh, allegedly it's a young woman who reported the couch to the government. As long as she comes and meets me like a neighbor would do, like a, an adult would do, I'd be happy to remove the couch. That's my position. I don't appreciate being threatened. The reason why I didn't just move it right away when the city bureaucrats came along is because they're an organization that rules with the threat of force. And if you come and threaten me over something, I don't appreciate that tactic very much. So I'm not going to really listen to you when you're threatening me. But if you're coming and talking to me like an adult, well, then we can talk like adults and work something out. So apparently one of the things that I learned from Carl, the couch enforcer today... And he was being a nice guy, as he uh, has has been doing recently. Uh, he explained to me that this particular lady was not interested in meeting me. He said he went to uh, talk to her about it, and she was not interested in meeting me. In fact, he even offered to accompany her. Perhaps she was af- afraid, maybe you know, afraid that I was a psychopath or something like that, maybe going to hurt her. No, she's uh, afraid in the sense that she's afraid to stand up for what she wants. What she She's a coward in the sense that she wants to send somebody to do her bidding, yeah. but she doesn't want to tell... You know, I mean, it's disgusting. It's it disgusting is. sort of cowardice. Right, Look, and she's protected too by the way she doesn't have to show up in court at all because look i'm sorry that that's unconstitutional you should be able to face your accuser in america did you use that terminology with carl yes and uh his his position on that was that he is the accuser because she even though she snitched he went and saw the couch, so therefore he can be the uh the accuser in that particular case but he's the arresting officer at the same time well, he didn't make an arrest. Uh, oh, wrote he, a, ticket. A, a ticket is arrest. Okay. I mean, ask ask police. That's what yeah. they say. Anyway, that was that was his position on that particular issue. 
So, uh, you know, I thought maybe the other thing, Mark, is that maybe she's afraid that if I find out who she is, that I'll retaliate, you know, that I'll find out something about her property that there's something wrong with and go and snitch out her to the code enforcers. I think that might be a legitimate concern on her part because that's what the system encourages, right? I mean, if you know which neighbor in this world where you have this coercive government, these men and women that are willing to do violence uh, on, on your behalf in regards to a if somebody's got something in their lawn you don't like, then you can utilize this co- uh, this gun in the room, this uh, element of coercion against your neighbors. It's very, very likely that if a neighbor figures it out from whatever means, maybe you know rumors going around the block, for instance, because sometimes that sort of thing happens. People talk. So if you found out who that person was, if you were vindictive, you might want to go ahead and report them just to get them back, right? So that might be what she's uh, what she's thinking is is going to be the the problem. And I understand that concern. That is, after all, what the system encourages. The system encourages neighbor to rat out neighbor to rat out neighbor, and it encourages the cycle of, of violence and the cycle of abuse and, and hatred. Whereas if all she'd done, and Carl actually says that, that he's actually done this before. He said that he's gone to people and said, well, have you considered talking to them? So the dude isn't completely unreasonable, though he is still a drug warrior, and I sent him a link to law enforcement against prohibition in the hopes that uh, that he would take a, a serious look at that. But, uh, you know, he suggested that to people before, and he sort of shared my concerns that people aren't being very neighborly anymore. I don't think he really realized that it's the fact that his job exists that actually encourages people to not be neighborly. But, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't there to persuade Carl. I was just there to have a conversation with him and try to understand better where it was that he was coming from. And I do. So, uh, so we'll see what happens here. They still want me to come back to their court on the 29th where there will be no jury. I'll be sure to make a point about that. And there will also be no way for me to call the woman that uh, accused me. So this is not a real trial, is it, Mark? What is this exactly? Is this an administrative tribunal of some sort? Of, what, how do you describe that? I I don't know. I mean, how can how can the city employee in the course of his daily business um, respond to a complaint, an accusation, um, go check out the accusation, then claim to be the accuser? I, I'm sorry. This is just. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think what I'm going to do at this point, Mark, is since this woman has claimed she doesn't want to meet me, what I'm going to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to approach the city with another offer. Since I gave them an offer the first time in court, uh, Carl suggested that I, I might want to meet up with his boss, the head code enforcer guy, who's apparently also the assistant city manager. So I already have some rapport with the uh, city manager. I have not met the this assistant person. And so I'm going to go in there maybe and write up another uh, – Perhaps I'll write up another agreement and essentially agree to not complain about this woman if she or and not have anybody register any complaints about her if she'll just simply come and meet me. Uh, again, I would like them to drop this issue. I would like this to just all go away. I'd like so, them to drop well, the issue. Uh, you, meet you this woman. Want, you still want to meet this woman? I still want to find out who this lady is. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to move the couch until I get a, a neighborly discussion. 
going on. It does. I don't think I'm being unreasonable here. Oh, I don't think you're being unreasonable either. Um, I just, you know, <laughs> I don't think that they're going to want to go back and say, all right, well, we talked to him and he says, da 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 da. I don't think they're going to want to yeah. do that. I think they're going to say, well, well they're going to have to put me in a cage you. then. I mean, because that's where this is going. If basically, what's going to happen on the 29th if they railroad me through this trial, which I did not consent to, and I made it clear that I didn't consent. So obviously, the trial doesn't require my consent. So they're just going to go and railroad me through like they did with Sam down in Texas. They'll probably railroad me through, and then the judge will find me, right? He'll find 400 or $500 for the couch in the yard, and they'll order me to remove the couch. And I'm not going to pay the fine. And if I don't pay the fine, then that could result in either jail time or a lien being placed against my house, and then my house being stolen from me over a couch in the yard. So we'll see how far they want to take it. 800-259-9231. I don't think they realize what uh, they're getting into here. More on the way. Hour, uh, hour number two is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, that's what the show's about. Let's talk to Dan in Indiana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Hello. How you doing? Just can you great. hear me okay? Dan. Yes, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I, I wanted to... Uh Put in my little two cents worth regarding the uh, knife ban that they uh, have over there, or they're trying to implement over there in England. Oh, it's implemented. Uh, oh yeah. Well, okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, um, I'm just curious about how they're going to pull something like that off and everything. Once they've banned all the knives, because obviously they banned uh, private gun ownership over there. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose their next step will, I suppose, be uh, to ban people being pushed out windows. But they're really going to have a, a hell of a time trying to pull, pull that one off. Well, I don't know. Okay. But I think that that's probably uh, that pushing people out windows who probably be covered by laws against assault, uh, laws well, against aggressing. So, so is shooting but, someone or show us stabbing with yeah, someone. Yeah, right. But right. I'm saying I'm sorry, as, far as, um, as far as keeping people from doing it. Dan, it's you know, simple. You just ban the windows. Yeah, yeah that, that's where I'm getting. That's where people I'm don't kill people. Like, windows no. kill people. Yes, yes, and, and what they'll what they'll try to do, I guess, what they'll say, well, let's let's um, force people to nail up windows. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, the hammer it could be used as a as a weapon. Well, yeah, that's we're true. And the hammers, and uh, what about glue? Okay, yeah, let's get some glue and glue up the windows. Well, wait a minute, people will sniff the glue. Oh my God, drug abuse. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? It's right. an awful, horrible country that they're having to live in over there. Not not that things here are that much better. They're really know, not. Man. But um, did, did you know that they recently uh, were able to get some group to hijack the the uh, the public uh, treasury over there for about to the tune of about seventy five thousand pounds, and they were they took the money and went around going around in the street, making people just stopping them on the on the on the street as though they were some type of police with some kind of authority to uh, stop folks and and make them give breathalyzers, wow. find out what the uh, content of their. Uh, uh, you know how much, how much tobacco smoke it had. Uh, yeah, made I heard something about you, that. Yeah. I read some some article about it or, or another. But the simple, all they were doing is just breathalyzing. Like there wasn't any punishment to it. So it, it's well, disturbing. Having, Go ahead. Yeah, but having to, uh, to to be directed towards a, a stop smoking clinic or 
or, or being harassed by these people. That's what it is. It's just, you know, they, they hit up people for, you know, like I said, they hit up the taxpayers for uh, government funds to uh, go and and then harass folks. Yeah, to go out like and that. propagandize and harass people. Yeah, I did hear about that story, and I'm glad you brought it up. Any other thoughts for us, Dan? Uh, no, no. One other thing I want to ask. Yeah. Uh, was that is that uh, Manwich that's working the uh, call screen in the night? No, Manwich uh, was the the former name of my co-host Mark. He used to be called Manwich. There yeah. is no oh, more that's Manwich. Manwich and everything. Okay, because yeah. I, I I am familiar with the with the concept of Manwich and stuff. You know, sandwich is a sandwich, but Manwich, well, that's that's a warlock. <laughs> I'm glad you're familiar with it because I didn't know what Manwich was yeah. for years. The funny thing is, is that uh, my partner and I did this show, and, and he had no idea w- that the Hormel made a tomato sauce, tomato based uh, additive for hamburger called Manwich. Oh, he thought marketing didn't get to me. You know, he thought it was just some gay reference or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank what you. the hell is eating sloppy joes every every day in the, in the commissary for? What's that all about? <laughs> Thanks, Dan, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we continue to the amp line, it is Gene in Tennessee. Hello, Gene. Well, hi, guys. Hey, what's I wanted on your to mind? update you on my uh, my brother-in-law's court case. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay, because I'm, I'm driving through uh, uh, Georgia, and I don't have a very good signal. So. All right, go ahead. Anyway, uh, he, I mentioned to you in the past that he had gotten a ticket, and we had talked... Uh, actually had a cordial evening dinner or an afternoon dinner with the guy who's the city attorney, and this was a separate issue. You know, we were just taking a couple people out to dinner, and he was he, he kind of went along. And so we mentioned that Dirk had a ticket, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, just, well, I'll, I'll take care of it for you. You know, I can take care of that. So anyway, today we finally went to court, and he did actually make the ticket go away. But there were two charges. One was... Um, a speeding charge, and the other one was a uh, uh, failure to have the right license tags because he just moved out from Arizona. Mm-hmm. So they did make the things go away, but the bottom line was they still charged him for two court fees of a hundred dollars a piece. So he still wound up having to pay a hundred two hundred dollars wow. in court fees. And he was there uh, for quite a while watching other people do their supposed trials. You know the. In Mississippi, the trials last about uh, a minute and a half. You know, they're very, very quick, and uh, you know they hang you quickly here. But on these trials, he even saw a couple where the judge actually ruled that they were not guilty, and they still had to pay the court fees. And I wow. said, there's just no way that that's legitimate. You know, if you go to court and you win, that's amazing. How can they then charge you a fee? <laughs> You know, access to the courts is supposed to be free. I guess as long as people will pay it, they'll charge them, right? I mean, if people keep paying it, yeah. then they'll keep getting away with it, right? And the lawyers were letting them do it. I mean, it just it just goes to show these lawyers don't work for their defendants. Absolutely. They work for the, for the uh, courts. Their primary huh. allegiance is to the state. They, I mean, they can help in certain situations, certainly, but their primary allegiance is to the Bar Association and the state. As I understand it. Yeah, well, it's just a big racket. You yep. should have seen the money they raked in in just a very short period of time. It was and all that has to all that has to happen to all that needs to happen to stop it is for people to stop obeying, for people to non-cooperate, for people to say we've had it with this nonsense. You can only call. You can only take us into your court if we've actually harmed somebody. If there's actually a victim bringing some sort of charges, otherwise, leave us the hell alone. And that was the thing I mentioned when uh, when we were standing in the courtroom there, because it was standing room only. They had at least 300 people there mm-hmm. lined up to, to go through these kangaroo courts. 
And, uh, of course, they all rose when the judge came in, and I told them about Lauren Canario's trial and how everybody stood up when she came in, didn't stand up when the judge came in. Yep. And uh, if those 300 people would have had that kind of attitude, there's just no way they could have done anything. You're absolutely right, but people are so scared. They're so scared of the state because they have guns and cages to put people in, and in many cases they aren't afraid to use them. But until we're ready to stand up and be willing to be put into those cages, then we'll never have our liberty, as long as we keep bowing down to these people. I think it's getting closer and closer to that day every day. Thank you, Gene, for the call tonight. I appreciate the update. Sorry to hear about that. What an awful situation. Charged court costs, even if you're found not guilty. Doesn't make any sense. It's amazing. I wonder how many people pay. Probably 99.9% of them. They'll probably put a lien on your house if you don't. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you probably have to bring it back to court in order to fight the court charges. It is so awful, this system. And again... Uh, civil disobedience, non-cooperation is the way to solve this problem. Don't tell me to go and run for office and then go and try to get elected and then hope to get elected and then go and have to put legislation together and then have to find co-sponsors, have to get it through a committee, then have to get it through the legislature, then have to get it through the governor in order for to change the situation. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com changed the courtroom situation here in Keene, New Hampshire in less than two hours' time. Probably one hour of it, he took spending writing a press release. The rest of that time, he sent the press release to the judge, and then he showed up at the courtroom willing to be arrested for breaking one of the court's rules, and the court changed their rules right then and there. There, That's real activism, and it's really effective. I'm not saying the political guys aren't going to have success. I think they already have had some success here in New Hampshire. The rest of you political guys in the rest of the country... I don't see you having any success at all. I think political success is, po- is popular, or, uh, possible rather here in New Hampshire, but I think that if we had all of the people that were working in politics doing non-cooperation and civil disobedience, we'd have a drastically different place to live in, and it'd be, ha- it'd be happening very quickly. But, you know, it takes, it takes some real gumption to stand up against these thugs with guns in cages. I think that uh, between the, the two types, that you'll, you'll find that some works best in some areas and some works best in others. Toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. What was the Chinese uh, story that I was so confused about last hour, Mark? The it was Guantanamo the, uh, Bay? Yeah, there, there was some, the Bush administration suffered another dramatic loss in court on Tuesday over its handling the Guantanamo detainees. For the first time, a federal judge has ordered the group of de- a group of detainees released not just out of prison, but into the United States. The te- detainees are 17 Chinese Muslims known as Uyghurs who have been held at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba for nearly seven Seven years now. Um, It's a largely conservative panel of judges in court in Washington ruled in the lead case that the Uyghurs are not hostile to the U.S., that they are in fact a pro-Western group. This is why they have trials. This is why you can't just lock people up. I want to come back and talk more about this here in a moment and take your calls as well about what you want at 1-800-259-9231. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. Dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and the features include the wiki. Over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. You can edit virtually anything you see there at wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. 
And you know email's not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com, an easy-to-use, secure email alternative. Sign up for a free account today. Privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. This is particularly important for people that own um, own businesses, are you know higher-ups in, in their businesses, because often it's the people that you that work for you that are looking at your email. Um, you know, so this is a way, privacyharbor.com uh, is a way to prevent that. All right, let's uh, continue the story here, Mark, uh, to clarify what I had gotten a little bit wrong earlier tonight. I heard a story on the news this morning in regards to some people that were had been held down in Guantanamo Bay for seven years. Now a judge has ordered them released into the United States. What's the rest of this story? This is the kind of story that you simply can't talk to one of those bumper sticker Republicans about. You just can't talk to them about it. They, they will not listen. Their mind will run in little circles as fast as it possibly can to get away from you because they don't want to think about this. Detainees, um, the, the detainees that were released are 17 Chinese Muslims known as, you said it was Uyghurs? Uyghur, Uyghur, okay. Um, they've been held at Guantanamo Bay for nearly seven years. This isn't a mistake that they're just now rectifying. Okay, this is a panel of judges that did wow. this. This is not the Bush administration that said, "Oh, well, looks like we got this wrong. Let's fix it." No. In June, a largely conservative panel of federal appeals court judges um, in Washington ruled in the lead case that the Ouijers are not hostile to the U.S., that they are in fact pro-Western, and that the intelligence that the Bush administration had provided um, to justify their detention was not backed even by reliable hearsay. The court sent <laughs> reliable the case- hearsay. Hearsay is when one person says somebody said something about someone right. else. Just some jackass said something in order to get some reward, and some jackass that's liable to, li- liable to right. have said all kinds of stuff in the past. Um, the, the court sent the, the case back to the district court with specific authority to release the men. Hmm. That was in June. In a landmark ruling on Tuesday, the federal judge, now in charge of the case, uh, ordered the, the Uyghurs uh, released into the U.S. He said whatever authority the government once had to detain these men has ceased. Wow. The Constitution, he observed, forbids indefinite detention without a charge. Wait a minute. Now, they're going to give these guys, like, millions of dollars, right? I'm sure they're not. (laughs) Oh, and wait. uh, So, wait. uh, So, if they're not going to give them millions of dollars, then certainly the Bush administration and the people who are responsible for for imprisoning these men illegally for seven years certainly will have to pay some sort of restitution or will be punished themselves, right? No. No, no, that's not going to happen. None of this is going to happen. The fact is... No one will be responsible. The crap that was going on in Guantanamo is largely true. And this whole Club Gitmo crap that uh, Rush Limbaugh's been doing, it shows the sort of callousness that uh, we have towards justice, at least towards the Republicans seem to have towards justice. I'm not part of that we. Yeah, I understand. The Republicans seem to have uh, towards justice in this country. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. If this was a a member of your family, and I understand it couldn't possibly be a member of your family, because they're Muslims. Yeah. And they're not as good as we are because, well, the government has basically built this the boogeyman out of Muslims. And mm-hmm. the, the simpletons out there believe it. They don't question it. The fact is these 17 men that have been held for nearly seven years had nothing to do with anything. They're Chinese. 
I Who bet did you, the Chinese attack? I, I bet you they aren't the only ones down there, man. They just happen to be the ones that get, are getting out now. How many others are they holding that have done nothing and they have no evidence against it? It's all they're only there on the right. here save somebody else. And so many people that I've talked to believe that those people are in there because they had some kind of substantial proof. Right. That's what they. That's what the government would like you to believe. Judge a panel of largely conservative judges said there wasn't even reliable hearsay. And now and nothing you know will what? happen. Nobody, no Republican cares about this story. They will sweep it under the rug. They will ignore it. They'll do whatever they yeah. possibly can to hold on to the shred right. of, of decency that they believe that the party has. Why isn't this story on the front page of the liberal newspapers either? I mean, isn't, shouldn't this be big news? It just doesn't, you know, I mean. Shouldn't this be outrageous? Know, that's old news. Apparently it is. These people are forgotten men. How many others are there? How many hundreds more do they have? I don't even know. Well, at one time, I believe they had less than a hundred at Guantanamo. So these guys have been there through the whole, through all of it. It's amazing. If they've been letting guys go from Gitmo and they haven't let these guys go, who have they been letting go? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And I have to ask: You still paying taxes to these people? You still it's disgusting participating in this government? Are you still um, are you still voting for these people? I have to ask you that. You should ask yourself. Because if you are doing those things, I have to ask you why. What's your justification? Are you scared they're going to put you in Guantanamo for not paying taxes? Come on. Now, that's probably not going to happen. But it could, I suppose. And as long as you're willing to cower... If you're declared an enemy combatant by the president... Well, as long as you're willing to... uh, Appointee. If you're willing to cower down in front of the state, then you're going to get what you deserve. Eventually, they're going to come after people like you. And maybe even they'll come after you or your family members or your friends. Or maybe you'll be labeled the next terrorist the next potential terrorist. And don't think for a moment that if you're a Republican that you'll be safe. Isn't there a chance that old Barack Obama could win the election and then all of a sudden decide to have have the police target conservative groups? Because it's been anti-war activists and anti-death penalty activists that have been targeted in the last few years. But if the tides change a little bit in Washington, D.C., the police state could kind of shift the other way. Don't believe for a moment that old Barack – and by the way, you, uh, those of you who consider yourself liberals or whatever uh, – don't believe for a moment that a Barack Obama is going to get in there and roll back the police state. He's got terrorism as his scary uh, factor to bring about whatever he wants to bring about. Did, <laughs> did Clinton roll back? back the police state with no. Ruby Ridge, Waco, no. the gun, and Ilian Gonzalez? This is some scary stuff, and you need to be paying attention to it, and you need to be talking about it, because if you keep your mouth shut, as I said earlier, then you'll get what you deserve. Maybe not right now, but the tyranny is coming. It hasn't struck into the, you know, to the respectable neighborhoods yet, but maybe the roadblocks are coming soon, and then maybe everybody will be held up and hassled. Of course, it's for your safety. What's your citizenship again? Where are your papers? You know, as long as you have your little papers in order, you're going to be just like the German citizens were when, you know, Hitler was running the country there. You're not going to even know. You're, you're just not going to even pay attention. You're not going to even realize you're in a fascist state. Your taxes are propagating the killing and imprisoning of people that don't deserve it. Hey, Mark, unjustly. what are they talk about? As long as their football's on Sunday, I'm all right. Just give me some beers, uh, dancing with the stars, some football or whatever. Just as long as I have my TV set, I'll be okay. I'll just bow down. I'll obey whatever it is they want me to do. I'll do it. It Just don't hurt me, please. 
Well, you know, how do you qualify whether or not you've been hurt? Is it when they decide to take 80% of your money instead of just 50% of your money that you'll decide that you've finally been hurt by this aggressive state, by the government, by these people calling themselves your servants? <laughs> Public servants? 800-259-9231. What about the immigrants, though? We've been talking about terrorism. What about the other boogeyman out there? The immigrants. Well, there's been another roundup, this time in Greenville, South Carolina. We'll bring you those details and talk to you about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free. So enjoy those on us. They include the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know fresh about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on that list for free. That is updates.freetalklive.com. And, yep. A company that needs to try something new in the area of collections. SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients too. SACL CAI, see their banner on our website at freetalklive.com. It's right there at the top. That's SACL CAI. All right, we continue here with your phone calls. We'll give you the latest in the immigration situation here in this country in moments. But first, it's Steve in North Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Steve. I was wondering what Fox was going to do to Steve, are you, oh, are you uh, on the phone or are talking to someone else? Steve? I'm sorry. I'm on the phone with my mom. I was waiting on you all. Okay, here you are, Steve. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, Mark, Ian, man, I, I, I've been listening to you all about a year now. I love you to death, and I'm going to amp eventually, I promise. Thank you, sir. Uh, really appreciate you all making the effort that both of you are doing, and same to Julia. Thank you. Really Go appreciate ahead. appreciate you guys. What's on your mind uh, tonight? What like, what I, the thing I thought about was maybe like a vacation swap. In other words, where maybe somebody can swap out you know, a week in my house, and I can come stay a week in their house. That what? way I can come see what New Hampshire's like, or somebody else can do it. You know what I mean. Oh, you're talking about like a way to get up to New Hampshire, an excuse to come up to New Hampshire? Is that what you're Yeah, to get some, get some more, I don't know. My wife will divorce me if I move up there. She's from Pennsylvania. She swears she's never going back to the snow. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, wait. And I so, do like her. So, so you're suggesting that someone from New Hampshire swap with you? Yeah, and sort of. Uh, it's it's done in lots of different. Uh, for instance, the baseball team up here, the Swamp Bats, uh, they open up a room in their house for uh, the baseball members to come. When yeah, I guess it's a couple few weeks that they do the uh, the games here, mm-hmm. and, and I think that it, it, it likely it would be very easy to set up. I think it. Uh, Probably on the bulletin boards, uh, whether it's done at uh, the forums at uh, the FS on the FSP website or nhunderground.com, right. I bet uh, something like that could be set up relatively easily. Yeah, well, at the very I least, you could probably idea. you could probably at the very least set up a, a couch to crash on or a guest room to sleep in. I don't know if anyone will necessarily want to come down and visit North Carolina. I suppose there's they a possibility. Might very well. Yeah, it's a possibibility. But South Carolina, vacation capital of the world. It's good to know, uh, and and maybe you're right. Maybe someone will take you up on that offer. But if you just just want to come visit New Hampshire, sometimes all you need to do is go to nhfree.com, go to the forum there, and post that you intend to come Lots up. Lots of and, people, yeah. And it, that you're looking for a couch. Couches, yeah. Uh, and somebody oh, that'd will... be a great idea. I'm not a big uh, 
well, one thing, I'll do a whole lot of writing, so I'm not a real big forum type person. I see. I don't even really know how the forum works. So well, it's, it's not too complicated. Me out in the dark. It's, it's, it's not too complicated. You just go over there I and you can it, brute force it. it. I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out. I can figure it out. That, that, that says a lot. <laughs> I just sent the first two emails of my life the other day over that darn bailout mess. And oh, gosh. Of course, that didn't mean anything. But anyway, I sent them. Well, we're glad you're out there and you're considering different ways to get up here. And maybe what you might want to do is just try to convince the wife to come up for the Liberty Forum. No, that wouldn't be good because that's in the middle of the winter. Have her come up for uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival right in the middle of the summertime here in New Hampshire. And have her meet some of these wonderful people up here. It doesn't snow in North Carolina? I'm in South Carolina, but but the last snow we had was in 1989, so it's been a while. Wow. For some reason, I thought it snowed in Georgia. What was I thinking, Mark? Well, well it, it snows in Florida in 1989. What's that? It snowed in Florida in 1989. You're yes. right. I remember that happening, actually. It was right after Hurricane Hugo. We huh. got it right after Hugo. Well, thank you tonight for the call. Really appreciate hearing from you. Glad you're listening and enjoying the program. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Ken calling from Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ken. Oh, hey. How's it going? Hey, just great. What's on your mind, Ken? Um... Well, I'm I'm new to the show. I was actually on iTunes for podcasts, and I found your show. I fell in love with it, so I was listening to all the uh, shows up to date now. Welcome but, aboard. Um, What's on your mind tonight? I was watching on CNN today, and Bob Barr was on there, and he seemed kind of mad that he wasn't even invited to the presidential debates. Oh, he and, shouldn't be surprised about that. <laughs> well, well, I, um, I, I was just wondering why he wasn't even invited and why the media is portraying it as um we only have two options well because They're not even uh, <laughs> talking about the other candidates or anything well the reason that the uh, the media is portraying it that way is because they understand that a third party candidate in the presidential election simply does not have a chance and the reason that they don't have a chance is because after the ross perot incident uh the the two parties realized whoa we can't have this crap happen anymore. He got 19% of the popular vote. He did. And so they're, they decided, we're going to take away this debate thing from these uh, daughters of the American Revolution or what, whoever, the, La- the League of Women Voters. Yeah, I think that was um, Who was handling it at the time. And they set up the Federal Election Campaign Debating Club or whatever it was. Yeah. And they, they said... You know what? You've got to have you've got to poll be polling consistently at this percentage in order to get into these debates, and and they're not letting third parties in ever again. Right. As long as there are two, you know, as long as the republic is the way it is currently, you're never going to see a third party candidate get anywhere in the presidential election. Yep, that's pretty much and that's the case. That's really sad because I think that's what it's going to take in order to get us back on track because. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats have definitely uh, ruined what we have right now. We're on track, my friend. We're on track to the highway to hell. The track to totalitarianism. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's nothing that can be done on the federal level. I mean, yeah. they're just... I, nothing. I have to say, I appreciate, uh, Ken, I appreciate your concerns. I, at one time, oh, was, yeah. a, I at one time was a third-party activist. It was, at one time, a very concerning issue to me that there was no third-party access to the debates. In fact, back in 2004, we thought something was going to... There was going to be a breakthrough. Uh, the libertarian candidate back then, who was a real libertarian, unlike Bob Barr, who's an imposter, uh, but the libertarian candidate back then, Michael Badnarik, and the Green Party candidate, David Cobb, both actually attempted to enter one of the planned debates 
uh, to serve some papers to some of the organizers there, I think to the candidates, and they they were basically crashing the debates. They were arrested, and nobody talked about it. The only mention they got in the press was the Associated Press general article about the debate. So just talking about the entire the entirety of the debate, you know, what was going on outside, what was going on inside, just sort of a general article. There was one sentence in that article about the fact that two presidential candidates qualified on enough ballots to actually potentially win the election being arrested at the debates. It was completely swept under the rug, and you know there is absolute zero chance that any of this stuff is ever going to change at the at the federal level. Yeah. When they're arresting presidential candidates on the steps of the debate, it's it's just over. Yeah, it it is definitely over, which right. is why we advocate the Free State Project moving here to New Hampshire and getting active here because it really is, in my opinion, the the best and last chance at liberty in our lifetimes here in America. Well, I signed up for that last night because Excellent. well, and it's uh, going to be 2012 before I can do anything about it. Are you in I'm college? Currently in the military. Oh, the so military. In for my Even contract. Worse. And that's another reason why I'm scared is because if Obama gets in, there's no telling what he's going to do with us. What well, can you imagine? Uh, I don't know. I know he's going to downsize like crazy. And, uh, I mean, just with how he is right now with uh, uh, just all this craziness that he's going through. And well, I haven't heard that he was going to downsize. I've heard he wants to increase. He's, yeah, uh, talked about in, um, increasing oh, really? the role of the military in Afghanistan, at least. And, then, I, and then today, uh, in the, excuse me, in the debates last night, he said, well, we've got to go uh, We've got to go to Africa and stabilize Africa. I mean, he's talking about sending uh, U.S. troops yeah. to Africa. Uh, he wants to use the military for his own purposes, whatever those might be. I mean, wouldn't you rather be downsized even if that was going to happen? I mean, isn't it possible? Well, yeah, that's what I'd, I'd look forward to. But if yeah. we're about to slip into a major depression, it'd be kind of nice to have a steady paycheck until, so, yeah. you know, I can <laughs> get myself on on my track that yeah. I need to. Well, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. I wish you good luck and uh, see you in New Hampshire when you get out of there. Thank you for the call tonight, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Coming up, the Associated Press reporting out of Greenville, South Carolina, that federal agents have detained more than 300 suspected illegal immigrants. Hmm. What do you think happens to the suspected illegal immigrants if they turn out to be legal? You think they get an apology? How do, they, how do they suspect them? Do they get an apology and get some money for their lost time? Uh, you know, however long it was that they were being held in detention while the government checks them out. We'll find out more about this case here in moments. Yet another roundup here in the land of the free. Right. 800-259-9231. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything, just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. They include... The updates, live streams, archives, and more. We give it all away. Those other radio programs that want to charge you for accessing their website. So enjoy ours free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Help get this show on more radio stations uh, across the country, around the world. Get more Internet listeners on board listening to the program. Spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. Those are all some of the reasons to amp. But you can also get perks. Like access to the AMP only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more. So head over and uh, get signed up. Learn more over at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. As we go to, we'll uh, get the immigration story here in a bit. Let's talk first to Justin in Mississippi. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Justin. 
Hey, what's going on? What's on your mind, Justin? Well, I'm I'm on the uh, I'm in graduate school at the uh, university here in in Jackson, and uh, I'm on the student government. And we had our meeting the other day, and apparently the administration, um, because maybe two or three people got caught with dope by the police last year, mm -hmm. the administration is wanting to do random drug testing campus wide. That's med students, grad students. Oh wow. Yeah, there's no precedence for that for that either. For that matter, any drug testing beyond high school, except maybe military academies. Yeah. So it's, Do they it's uh, make you walk through uh, metal detectors on your way into a lab and stuff too? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I bring a pocket knife every day, so I probably wouldn't go to work. That is amazing. So they're considering this, or this is coming soon. What's the status on this again? They're considering it. Um, and they're, they said they want us to get feedback from, you know, the people we represent. I, I represent the uh, grad students on campus. Uh, but usually what they mean, usually what that means is they want us to sell it to them yeah. and um, basically give them political cover for an unpopular idea. So. Well, you're, not, you're not going to go along with this, right? Oh, hell no. I'm not even, I'm not going to participate in it one bit. I've got I've got all sorts of uh, my fellow grad students I wrote to, and I mean, all except for two or three sheep that are like, oh, it's fine with me. Well, I've got you nothing know. to hide. Huh? I've got exactly. nothing to hide. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they never think about you know, the fact that you're being asked to piss in a cup to stay in school. Right, these people right. do understand. And you paid. I mean, right. like, your customers. They, these, these are, exactly. You're the customers. These, these, these are your employees. There are other schools you could go to, so I imagine they'll probably back down on this if there's enough pushback. Basically, people saying, hey, look, you know, we can take our business elsewhere if you don't want to allow us to uh, go about going to classes without being harassed. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I know at least uh, one or two of people who are with me in terms of yeah, doing non-cooperation. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna pee in a cup for them. I know a couple Good other people aren't. It's just, it's ludicrous. It's so you're willing to, to, you're willing to, uh, qu essentially quit that school if this does come to pass and go elsewhere. Well, you know, here's how I put it. Uh, I could leave there with or without a piece of parchment and a hood over my shoulders, but there, I'll be damned if I'm gonna leave without my dignity. Good for you, man. I let us know what happens with this, okay? All right. Thanks, yeah, thanks, Justin, for the call tonight. Good luck. 800-259-9231. Fascism now, uh, the police state even in, uh, even coming into the go government colleges. Grad school. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just, these aren't a bunch of freshmen at, uh, the University of Florida. Uh, you know. Right. This is, these are grad students. Yeah, and if that's, I mean, if they're going to start testing college kids, even grad students, you're going to find a lot of marijuana smokers. I mean, there's a lot of marijuana use on college campus. So what are they going to do? Are they going to just are they going to give up on 50% of their entire population, student population? I mean, it's crazy. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So back to the scary, scary immigrants. Uh, this is one of the other uh, national enemies that the government would like to promote. We were talking about terrorists earlier, how they are now considering peace activists as terrorists. They're considering anti-death uh, anti penalty activists as terrorists. Mm. 
But what about immigrants? Because they want us to believe that immigrants are a big threat to our way of life here in this country, which, of course, is poppycock. Immigrants are what? what, what the way of life we have in this country is because of immigrants. Because of Exactly. Because of their hard and, work. And the fact is, they just couldn't really enforce immigration laws very well in the past. I, you know, what do they call uh, – what is one of the, uh, the, 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 the popular derogatory terms for Italian people? WAP? Yeah. I mean, you know, that was that was the way so many Italian people came to this country. Look how many great things they've done for us. Federal agents detained more than 300 suspects, this according to the Associated Press, uh, suspected illegal immigrants Tuesday in a raid at a chicken processing plant that's been under investigation for months. The raid took place during a shift change when police and federal agents spread through the House of Rayford's Columbia Farms plant and ordered all workers to show identification, according to officials and witnesses. Maria Juan, 22, was one of about 50 relatives and friends of workers who huddled at the edge of the plant after the raid, some weeping and others frantically talking on cell phones. She was seen seeking information about her 68-year-old grandmother, a legal immigrant from Guatemala who went to work without identification papers, but was later released. Families are going to be broken apart, Juan said. There will be kids and babies left behind. Why are they doing this? Why? They didn't do anything. They only wanted to work. Immigration officials kept the workers inside the plant and spent most of the morning trying to interview them and figure out how many are in the U.S. illegally. The assistant attorney said that number could be large. A recent review found that immigration paperwork for more than 775 of the 825 workers contained false information. Immigration agents scoured the plant for paperwork and other information for the investigation. Why are they doing this? Asked Maria Juan. Well, it's because they're sick. Something's wrong in these people's heads, these government people that believe that they have some sort of gift from God because they were born here in America or because somehow going through some bureaucratic governmental process to get paperwork filled out and uh, money sent in and obey all their absurd regulations and rules just to become a legal immigrant somehow makes you a better person. And so therefore, anybody that doesn't want to go through all that hassle just to live a more free life is inferior and a danger to the uh, the country i mean this is a sickness that is going through people's heads and unfortunately it is infecting a significant portion of the american population right now so unfortunately very few people in this country are willing to stand up for people like maria juan and her friends and her relatives it's so sad what's happening they here. just want a better life you know they want to work hard do i think we're obligated to pay welfare for these people to pay to educate their children to to you know give them free medical care no Absolutely not. I don't think we're responsible for doing that for American citizens either. All these people should be able to do is come here to America, work hard, and enjoy the American dream. Is it their fault that we've taken the Amer- that we've the allowed the politicians to turn the American dream into some kind of socialist nightmare? Well, no, it's not their fault. They should be able to work and feed their families. That's all. Federal prosecutors and immigration agents have been investigating the plant for several months. Their hiring practices they find that 12 people have been charged, most accused of falsifying documents. Seven have pleaded guilty, and one plant worker backed up that account on Tuesday, saying that they were in the country illegally and company managers knew it. He said that everyone who knew most of the workers were everyone knew most of the workers were illegal. It was no secret. We just came in and did our work, and you kept to yourself. Uh, the women, both American citizens, were released after showing ID. Many workers live near the plant, and drivers in the neighborhood stopped Tuesday to ask about them. Officials are arranging to care for the children of workers detained in the raid. Isn't that nice? They're going to take care of these kids. 
Sure, their parents will never get to see them again, but they'll take care of the kids, put them into some government foster home or something where they can be abused, raped, who knows. In August, more than 600 suspected illegal immigrants were detained in a Mississippi transformer plant in the largest single workplace immigration raid in U.S. history. And in May, federal immigration officials swept into agri-processors, the nation's largest kosher meatpacking plant. Nearly 400 workers were detained there. And uh, again, more lives destroyed, more people arrested, detained, ejected from the country, more families tortured. Born apart, hundreds upon hundreds now, over th- thousands of people have been have been rounded up this is that's what's happening they're rounding people up and they're detaining them for indefinite periods of time until they can somehow identify these people what happens if you get rounded up in in one of these immigration roundups and you don't have identification and you don't want to show identification. You have no obligation been, to show these people ID. We, what did we read? Oh, I can't remember what the story was. We read, uh, it's been a few months now, but there are shipping U.S. citizens out of the country. In these raids? Really? Well, don't you remember the story that we read where the, you know, the immigration, the people are being thrown into immigration prison that are U.S. citizens and all yeah. kinds of stuff? I didn't realize they were getting shipped out of the country, but I suppose that could be happening. It's, I, I, you know what? I don't have the story sitting in front yeah. of me. As I recall, it was a bunch of bad stuff happening. If you're in jail for immigration, does it really matter whether no. you, you know, your freedom's been destroyed? You've been, you've been separated from your loved ones, and and people look at this and they cheer this on. People look at this and they say, "This is what we want in America." What is wrong with you? If you're one of those people, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three's coming up. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with the very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into Hour 3 of the program. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com as we roll right into your phone calls. Coming up, some out-of-control cops found some message board posts that are pretty interesting. We'll share those with you. First, we go to Peter in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Peter. Peter, New York, going once. Peter in New York, going twice. Maybe we'll try Peter back here in a little bit. 1-800-259-9231. So I was on the... I was actually in the chat room, the Free Talk Live AMP-only chat, and one of our chatters there had dug up... An interesting thread on a message forum called MassCops.com. 
And, you know, kind of, I remember back when we, it was what, like what, a year and a half ago, maybe a couple of years ago, we had a real uh, kind of clash over at another cop forum. There was another forum, I think law enforcement forums, mm-hmm. where a lot of our forum members over on the Free Talk Live BBS, it basically, was it the cops that came into our forum first? I forget how that worked out. I forget exactly how the, the conflict no, started. No, I, I think that our forum members uh, found the forum of the cops and decided, let's go badger these guys. Right. So basically what happened was... Uh, free Before you go on I, um, with, the, uh, with that, I'd like to make a point is, you know of any telephone lineman forums... Have you ever heard of any? I'm sure there are such things. There's a Target Workers Forum. There are different forums for there, there may different be, types of people. But, uh, for different types interests. of people. But, I, you know, I just, I, I've never heard of any advertising executive forum for radio advertising executives. There's radio, uh, radio-info that they probably have. That's an, for the radio biz. Right. And more likely in, on there, you, re, you basically have, have radio rats and you have, um, you know, the, the, the mostly talent on there, right? No, there's, I've, I've seen uh, engineers. Uh, they've got uh, the program directors, all kinds of radio folk are there. You know, I, I think that... I'm uh, sorry, Mark, you're wrong about this. I, I, think that, I think that cops take themselves too seriously, just like uh, radio talent does. Well, the cops are definitely very interested in being incestuous as far as online and only talking to one another and people that, you know, certainly agree with them. And we saw evidence of that when the Free Talk Live BBSers went into that cop forum to have what were discussions uh, with these cops about the issues, of course, the War on drugs was certainly a primary one. And what we saw happening was that the cops were banning the Free Talk Live BBSers from their forum, while the Free Talk Live forum is virtually uh, unmoderated, and the cops were allowed to come on our forum and talk. Nobody banned any cops from our forum. Well, they're cops. They shouldn't be banned. Well, it was an interesting juxtaposition between the two forums. Anyway, it was... uh, it was quite a bit of controversy on this program. It, it actually ended up being a whole three-hour-long show that we talked about this stuff at one time. Well, it looks like the cops have started it up again, except this time at a different forum. Uh, MassCops.com is where this particular thread is, and the thread is about our friend Lauren Canario, who we talked about earlier tonight. She was recently in jail because she was refusing to obey the order of some federal cop. Uh, they put her in a federal prison cell for 15, or actually 17 days, even though she was only sentenced to 15 days. And she's gotten out recently, and one of our uh, amplifiers, Slim, dug up this post called Lauren Canario and Civil Disobedience Protest Video, where they link to several videos of some of the activism that's been going on here in New Hampshire and involving Lauren and some of the other activists. And... What's interesting are some of the comments that these cops make. They're just so nasty. They're just some of the meanest, sickest, most sadistic people that I've ever come across. And it's like this all over the place on these various police forums that I've been on. Yes, there are some good cops out there, and occasionally you'll see a good cop jump in and come to defense of whatever the the topic might be. On the old cop forum, there was one or two in particular that were against the war on drugs and kind of got it. But for the most part, they're just vitriolic, hateful, spiteful people. Let me give you a few examples of some of the comments that they, uh, they had to say here. I'll just start a little bit with the, the first post, and then we'll get to some of the other comments. Here's what they say. Lauren Canario is a member of a group that doesn't believe in government papers. She belongs to a radical group called NHFree.com, which operates motor vehicles without driver licenses or registrations. Now, of course, they're really painting a broad brush here. NHFree.com is nothing more than a, uh, a site hosting a web forum. I posted on there today. Do you not carry a driver's license no. or a registration? I, well, I carry, no, no, I, I carry both. 
Oh, okay. So then the cop is wrong about his little uh, investigation. Because well, he's, he's a liar, right? That he's run on NH free. In fact, or or he's ignorant and hasn't uh, you know hasn't looked through the issue at yeah. all. Real uh, real doing some great detective work here. Uh, in fact, most people I would say the super majority of participants on NHfree.com are still obeying the government diktats about government paperwork. But but there are a handful that aren't, like Lauren. Anyway, he says, a note for officer safety. They are all no to carry firearms openly. And this is one of the things you'll notice as you read cop forums. By the forums. way, posted on the little forum today, do not carry a firearm openly. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just by the Nothing way. Nothing this guy has said so far has been true, true. about me. Here's a quick note. Uh, once you're, as you browse through these cop forums, what you'll find out is these police are not very good at English. They, they're not too good at putting together coherent, uh, coherent sentences they can kind of put together, but they, they get words wrong and they, mis, um, they just mess up. I mean, they're not very, very well educated at all. Anyway, Lauren was stopped in Milford, New Hampshire, by the Milford Police Department, says the original poster. On the overpass for speeding, she refused to give the officer her driver's license or registration or to identify herself to the officer for which she was arrested. Her passenger, P-A-S-S-A-N-G-E-R, had a video camera and recorded the stop, and then uh, they put that below. They talk about how she was... uh, They sort of follow the case of Lauren through various different YouTube videos, uh, in, in fact, including some of my YouTube videos videos from freekeen.com and then we get to some of the comments here the question for the cops uh the, the very end of the original post is you decide as an officer what would you do upon encountering this group and one of the officers says officer george durham deserves a medal for restraint that bitch needs a good cuffing disrespectful self-righteous hippie punks and they go on to uh, talk about how there's more insanity at NHFree.com. Officers should be aware of this group. Their motor vehicles bear homemade license plates. I think Lauren's probably the only person in New Hampshire with a homemade license plate at the moment. I don't believe there are too Mine many. Mine was made by, made by the state of New Hampshire. Let's see. What else? Uh, this is what happens when you procreate in wooded areas, says another cop. Freaks, says another. Another cop says, this free state movement was enhanced when a small handful of these idiots came here in response to our state motto, live free or die. Obviously, this is a New Hampshire cop. Uh, an idiot of governor of a governor, Craig Benson, invited them with open arms. This touched off a flood. Well, the governor, how does, you know, if the governor invited uh, the Free State Project members to the state, how does this employee of that uh, governor at the time get to even have an opinion about it? I mean, the fact is, they're invited here. Well, he's on an Internet forum, and anybody can have an, an opinion on an Internet forum. He says this touched off a flood to small communities where they now think they can get political power through the town meetings. Abolish law, taxes, and stay out of my yard or I'll shoot you. That about sums up the idiotic stand of these people. They take advantage of fiercely independent feelings many of us possess to work their way into various groups. Note that while they espouse nonviolence, they were staunch supporters of the Browns in their standoff in Plainfield. And recent evidence turned up at that site shows their intentions. Lauren and others, or Luaren as he spells it, and others have been arrested across the country to make such and make such pains of themselves in prison in the court system that often officials just throw up their hands and kick them out. I sincerely hope that New Hampshire does not yield to this method of bringing down our system. Hmm. It's a really important system to them. They're very frightened about the idea that something might happen to it. Well, guess what, buddy? I got news for you. 
it is coming down because we've already had success. We've had success after success where the government people have backed off. Now, I know, Mark, you believe that the crackdown's coming. And certainly with police like this working in the system, they'll be encouraging such a crackdown. But all that said, we have seen some wonderful success from the civil disobedience and non-cooperation that has gone on here in New Hampshire, and we will, I believe, we will continue to see more of that. But the comments get worse. Uh, according to another cop on this particular thread, we are tree monkeys. I have no doubt that these Fruit Loops are only interested in getting a police officer to do something so that they can sue for untold millions. Now, you know Lauren Canario and her husband Jim. Are they the types of people that are likely to go sue in government courts over no. what the government has done? Libertarians in general, not sewers. Yeah. Uh, after all, these tree monkeys obviously don't work and need to support themselves. And after all, there is no money in being a F slash T a-hole. Not sure what an F slash T stands for, but it may be a naughty word. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL. Full time? That's, no, there you go. That's the SACL CAI. By the way, I've got a job. Yep. I posted on NH Free today. 1-800-259-9231. The nastiest comment is still to come. We'll share that with you here in moments. Get your thoughts as well about whatever you want to discuss. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. Just dial toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. They include the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, dial-up version, as well as a webcam. They're all free, so enjoy them over at listen.freetalklive.com. That is listen. FreeTalkLive.com. Authors of the Quick and Dirty Guide to War talk about current and future conflicts around the world, and Joseph Simone discusses real-world knife fighting, all at PaladinPodcast.com. PaladinPodcast.com is a service of Paladin Press. You can browse over 900 books and DVDs on topics such as personal and financial freedom, Second Amendment issues, military history, self-defense, and more. Remember, PaladinPodcast.com. They got some interesting stuff over there. Neat. I did not know about the Paladin podcast. It sounds like an interesting, intriguing uh, little uh, audio. It does. I mean, you know, learn how to knife fight and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Paladinpodcast.com, 1-800-259-9231. Talking about these nasty, sick, twisted cops posting over at masscops.com. It's a forum dedicated uh, to, I guess it may be a website with more than forums, I'm not sure about that, but it's definitely masscops.com has a forum full of Massachusetts area police, apparently some New Hampshire cops are in there as well, and I haven't done too much other digging besides this one thread where they're attacking people who are uh, the denizens of nhfree.com, just painting them all with a big broad brush, which of course, as you pointed out, Mark, is just nonsense, they're just lying, either they're completely misinformed or they're lying, it's one or the other. Either way, it looks bad. And they're just being absolutely nasty, saying terribly mean, sick, uh, twisted things like, here's the worst one. This is a comment about Lauren Canario, one of our friends up here and a super activist. Lauren Canario is an ignorant hippie, see you next Tuesday, who deserves to be tased over and over and over again. It's nice. Yeah. Public servants. Right. So there you go, masscops.com, if you'd like to go and visit them on their forums. Maybe, I don't know, give them a piece of your mind, see how long you last before you get banned. 
Because these cop forums, they love banning people that talk about liberty. Sure, they <laughs> they can't handle free speech. Yep. All right, 1-800-259-9231. As we continue here, since we're talking about the police, William Grigg has some thoughts over at LewRockwell.com about this whole situation that we have in this country where it seems like military members are kind of being funneled into police departments. It seems like they get uh, an easy pass into becoming a law enforcement officer after they're done with whatever career it is they have in the military. You've noticed this trend, right, Mark? Yeah, uh Go ahead. Well, Will Grigg has a few things to say. Uh, according to, uh, there's a quote that starts things here from Ger- Garrett Garrett. There are those who still think they're holding the pass against a revolution that may be coming up the road, but they are gazing in the wrong direction. The revolution is behind them. Greg says the seamless integration of the military and law enforcement into a single internal security force is the defining characteristic of a fully realized police state. Once this fusion is accomplished, the question becomes not whether a police state exists, but rather how acute its intentional violence or institutional violence rather against the subject population will become. That condition now exists in the country that still calls itself, without any apparent irony, the United States of America. Much alarm has been raised over the admittedly alarming news that beginning October 1st, the U.S. Army's Northern Command will deploy a specialized combat-tested unit as an on-call federal response force for natural or man-made emergencies and disasters, including terrorist attacks. This dwell-time domestic deployment of the 3rd Infantry Division's 1st Brigade Combat Team will permit its soldiers to use some of the skills they acquired in the war zone to deal with civil unrest and crowd control, or to deal with potentially horrific scenarios such as massive poisoning and chaos in response to a chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, or high-yield explosive, or CBRNE attack. This is from the government's press release about the military being prepared to be used right here in this country. In the context of our descent into rank imperial corruption, this small but significant development could be seen by some as the moment that our rulers crossed the Rubicon. But that metaphorical boundary has been in our rearview mirror for quite some time. Admittedly, there's something quite ominous about the news that homeland tours are expected to become a routine part of the rotation of soldiers tasked to carry out missions for those who command Washington's empire. The Homeland Security Apparatus is a recombinant organism engineered from multiple strands of institutional authoritarianism. The process began in earnest in the late 1960s with the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration. The Chimera has grown in power and malignancy. Chimera? Sorry. Uh, has grown in power and malignancy because of the generation-long trillion-dollar exercise in murderous cynicism called the War on Drugs. Indeed, it was in the context of this war that exceptions began to be carved out of the Posse Comitatus Act, which was intended to prevent the fusion of military and law enforcement functions within the United States. See, the people that created the Posse Comitatus Act understood that having the military doing operations within the borders of the United States was a pretty dangerous precedent to be setting. Of course, now that's being wiped away. It's, it's funny, the, uh, the, you know, the, the phrase they use there, crossing the Rubicon, has two meanings. Uh, one is cr- sort of cr- passing the point of no return, mm-hmm. but the other one it refers in limited usage to its plainer meaning of using, the military, um, using military power in a non-receptive homeland. Mm. It's precisely the use of crossing the Rubicon. Which was intended, the Posse Comitatus Act, intended to prevent the fusion of military and law enforcement functions. We got rid of that crap. 
The cultivation of a huge population of official informants added another critical element to the metastasizing organism of official tyranny. The drug war likewise introduced Americans to the variety of official larceny called civil asset forfeiture, through which police and sheriff's departments nationwide were turned into roving bands of officially protected highway robbers. Remember the story out of Bradenton, Florida, your old uh, hometown, where... The cops were coming up to people that they wanted to shake down and essentially threatening to charge them with something, but uh, but promising to let them go if they'll just sign a piece of paper, uh, relinquishing all of their all possessions. The they, yeah. yeah, their car or the $1,000 in cash they might have had or right. something like that. Yeah, they'll just, they literally are just stealing stuff from people, and it happens all over the country. Although we're constantly told that uh, everything... Uh, excuse me, the corruption of local law enforcement into federal welfare whores was an indispensable step toward the synthesis of a distinctly American police state. Although we're constantly told that everything changed on September 11th, the actual impact of the day that supposedly changed everything was to add a highly potent nutrient to the growth medium in which the beast was already flourishing. This merely accelerated a process that was already well advanced. Consider as just one uh, illustration a series of presidential decision directives issued by Bill Clinton in his second term. And of course, don't forget Waco and Ruby Ridge, uh, but these uh, directives dealt with the integration of the military with civilian law enforcement to deal with terrorist incidents involving weapons of mass destruction or catastrophic natural disasters. Apart from a few hidebound constitutionalists and easily maligned Y2K alarmists, nobody objected to this new intimacy between the military and civilian police. Then again, nobody had become concerned over the proliferation of military-trained SWAT and tactical teams or the creation in 1995 of the Pentagon's Law Enforcement Support Organization, LESO, through which police and sheriff's departments could receive military hardware of any kind they desired at concessionary prices, as if they were a Department of Defense organization in the words of the program's official pitchman. And we've seen the results of this, where the SWAT teams are decked out and they look just like the military, with the exception that they're all wearing black instead of camouflage. They get to drive tanks and stuff, too. They call them armored personnel carriers or whatever. They're not actual turreted tanks, but they essentially are tanks. They're battle drones or whatever. They're battle uh, vehicles that can be crashed through a front wall of a house. Pretty much a tank. 800-259-9231. There's more about the military transitioning into law enforcement and vice versa. Coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those on us. They include the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And spring and summer internships in broadcast and print journalism are available through the Institute for Humane Studies at libertarianinternships.com. They are looking for good communicators from all majors to place at daily papers and major media outlets for the spring or the summer. Positions are paid and include a career workshop as well as opportunities to network, tuition, travel assistance, free books, mentoring with working industry professionals 
and uh, even opportunities to be published and published and opportunities to network in major media centers like New York City, L.A., and D.C. So if you want to get involved in this, go to libertarianinternships.com for more information. In fact, uh, stay tuned after the program. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're on our uh, radio listenership, you won't be hearing this, so you'll have to grab the podcast later if you want to hear it. But we've actually got a gentleman from the Institute for Humane Studies, Scott, I believe. Yes. I didn't Scott get Barton. his last. Yeah. Scott who? Barton. Barton from the Institute Institute for Humane Studies. We are going to have him on an extended uh, episode here after the program airs. Yeah, if you're interested in these uh, these internships, this is a great interview to uh, listen to. And if you've just t- kind of thought about it, listen, you'll find out more and... Uh you know, it's uh, it, it could be really good for you. So that's coming up at the end of tonight's podcast, okay? So just so you know, libertarianinternships.com. Apply by November 1st for a decision on the upcoming summer internships. All right, 1-800-259-9231. Talking about the uh, Rubicon in the rear view from William Norman Grigg over at lewrockwell.com. Talking about how the military and the police in this country have consistently, over the last several decades, been aligning themselves and... And have been melding into one another. And he's been talking about the history of that uh, from back in the 1960s, where they b- really began with the war on drugs, of course, to sort of get rid of uh, the Posse Comitatus Act. They created the Pentagon's Law Enforcement Support Organization, which allows sheriff's departments and, uh, and city police departments to buy military hardware at concessionary prices as though they were part of the Department of Defense. And according to Greg, the results of this, well, call it a guided evolution of the law enforcement system, were entirely predictable. I served in the U.S. military, and after I got out, I ended up becoming a cop in 2002, recalls Bill, who was a battalion soldier of the year in 1999 and top gun in his police academy class. I'd say that um, most of the correctional officers at the prison I was at uh, former former military, military, yeah. Bill shared his experiences in reaction to a podcast I recently did with Lou Rockwell examining the emergence of of America's unitary, militarized, homeland security state. At the time he joined the force, many of the veterans were, as he described it, old school, having started in law enforcement before I was born. They were tough, but fair. They treated people with respect. However... The old school officers were forced out of the department, and it took on a military feel, said Bill. He also said, you were expected to take a just-follow-orders-and-obey-the-department-administration attitude, no matter what, regardless of if it was constitutional or not. The amount of force used during arrests went through the roof. This militarized mindset, the notion that the job of police was to compel civilians to submit to state authority, had a tangible impact in terms of the promiscuous use of the non-lethal taser weapon. According to Bill, he said, When I first started, we had a couple of M26 tasers when we needed them, but most people either left them at the police department or in their patrol cars. Uh, They were useful in a handful of instances involving armed, dangerous or deranged people, and when used in those circumstances, they do save lives, he says. However, once the taser was in use, police started to use them as instruments of pain compliance. And this is what we're hearing now over and over again, where if you don't do what the police officer demands that you do, they pull a taser and zap you until you do it, or until they cuff you and take you down to the, the prison. Anytime anyone did anything that wasn't compliant... Out came the taser. Bill also lamented that the tactics the SWAT team was using were also becoming more like the military. We even got a military Humvee. 
We are now wearing BDUs, that stands for Battle Dress, dress Unit, uniform. Uh, uniform, and carrying fully automatic machine guns and wearing the same body armor as the soldiers were in Iraq. All of our 870 Remington shotguns were removed from the patrol cars and replaced with full-auto H&K-made G36 machine guns, to the protest of all the patrol officers, mind you. Now, if anyone spoke out, they were dealt with. In the course of three years, they went through over 50 patrol officers, and this is a department with only about 47 officers total. While military hardware was being forced on recalcitrant officers, those willing to carry out their assigned roles were being used to disarm civilians as the opportunity presented itself. According to Bill, people were having their weapons confiscated for safekeeping during traffic stops. My home state is a rural state that relies heavily on hunting for income. Everyone has a gun here. Even my 88-year-old grandmother carries one in her purse. So to take someone's guns, you'd better have a damn good reason, not just because they have a gun in their car and it's after 9 p.m. Remember, this is a cop telling you about his experience. Hmm. After witnessing this long train of official abuses, many of us spoke out, says Bill. Those who did so were then run through the cleaners. Bill recounts an effort by the department administration to extort perjured testimony from him against a shift sergeant who had condemned the department's corruption. Those who spoke out against corruption, which included prosecutors and judges, were either fired unlawfully or they quit. Now, why would they quit? Probably because the pressure was on. Probably because there were things being done that were putting them in very uncomfortable positions. They may have had their families threatened. They may have had their livelihood threatened. Who knows? But they quit. And this sounds so familiar, doesn't it, Mark? Because we've talked to cops on this show yeah, before. Cops have said that just exactly this to us on multiple occasions. And then you'll have them uh, call in and, and whine and bemoan our uh, position. Uh, you know, it happens all the time. Oh, you're, you're so, so mean to have cops and blah, blah, blah. You know, no, we, no, we're not. The cops we're nice are doing to this. cops on this show. They're the ones doing this to themselves. They're the ones that are being militaristic and tyrannical and just generally awful, and they're running the good cops out of the business. There are no good cops. There are some well, of them that would like to be good, but if they stand up against the corruption, they get shut out. They lose their jobs. They get punished. We know that to be a fact. Brad Jardis, one of the cops here in New Hampshire, one of the good guys... He is uh, the one member of law enforcement against prohibition that's a current police officer. And what has happened to him for that? Well, because he's taken a position on an issue that is very important to the, the upper echelon of the police, he's been punished. He's now, told he, us he's never going to get promoted. He's never going to get promoted. He's never going to get off the overnight shift. And he's lucky to still have his job. Maybe worse things would happen if you were in, the, for instance, the LAPD instead of the Manchester Police Department. He's not in Manchester. I'm, that's generally where he is. Yes. But maybe things... Can you imagine if he was in the New York Police Department and started to stand up against corruption? I can't imagine He'd probably what would end happen. up with his head smashed in. I can't imagine what would happen if, he'd, if he was in the Manchester Police Department. Honestly. The sinkhole of dictatorial... Excuse me. In August 2007, the cop that uh, Will, Will Gregg was talking to here, mm -hmm. Bill, he quit. After five and a half years on the force, reached his frustration threshold and quit. Good cops can't take this stuff for very long. So as a result, what you end up with is a, a, a police force full of thugs. Again, I know there are some good cops still out there, but I don't really believe that good cops are the majority. I'm sorry. I'm so cynical about this. I don't think, you know, I think that the, 
I think that by and large, cops aren't asking questions. You know about I, their orders. You mean right? You know that that by and large, they're good people that you that would throw themselves in front of a bullet for you. Um, that they're that they try to do the right thing, but when it comes down to being given the orders, they don't ask questions. There's more to the story. The sinkhole of dictatorial. You know how the stormtroopers in Star Wars were were bred, cloned yeah. to be to not really ask questions, to sort of be uh, the, the choir, you know, the the, the hallelujah section, yeah. and just whatever they were told was uh, by their superiors was the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. The sinkhole of dictatorial abuse and Sicilian corruption, described by Bill as a small community in South Dakota, that haven of sober Midwestern rectitude whose citizens aren't afflicted with a state income tax. If it's this bad in the green wood, what's it like in the dry? Well, according to Bill, these abuses do sadly happen in almost every town in America. So it's bad in small town America. It's probably worse in places like New York City or the Los Angeles Police Department, D.C., Corruption is everywhere, and these mindless police just following orders are everywhere. And the good cops don't feel like they can do anything about it. There's more to the story. You can take control, bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. We'll try to sneak in here in these remaining moments at 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we would like to ask you to go ahead and shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's that simple. Go Amazon.freetalklive.com. Load up your shopping cart with whatever you need in life. Over 41 categories in which to shop. Free super saver shipping on a whole bunch of items. And feel good because a percentage is going to Free Talk Live. If you start shopping at Amazon.freetalklive.com. A few more thoughts here from Will Grigg about the militarization, uh, the combining, the melding of the police and the military. And uh, he's talking about a man named Bill who was working in a small town in South Dakota talking about the corruption that was just rife in this tiny little police department. It was so bad uh, that that people like Bill, who were the good guys that got into the business to stop real criminals, were so frustrated with all of the absurd orders that they were uh, being told to follow and the punishments that were coming down for those who came uh, and, and had the courage to stand up against the corruption. He gave up. After five and a half years, he threw in the towel. Now, the sinkhole of dictatorial abuse and Sicilian corruption is happening in South Dakota, but as he points out, these abuses do happen in almost every town in America. The process Bill describes is a peculiar type of alembic, distilling the worst elements from a recruiting pool to serve in local police forces. Rather than retaining people of character and principle, the process selects for the officious, the self-satisfied, the opportunistic, and especially for those fixated on power. Martin, who likewise shared his experience in reaction to the Lou Rockwell podcast as a former Marine. As he was processed out of the Corps, he was pitched by a recruiter for the LAPD. Although he had no interest in the job, he was interested and more than a bit alarmed by what he learned about the case with which former military personnel can become civilian police and the eagerness of the LAPD to absorb military veterans into its ranks. Recruiters, they say, told us how they'd worked with command elements so that a Marine could go through LAPD Academy while still in the service, meaning a seamless transition to police work from military life. So while working for the military, they're training for the LAPD. So when they're done with the military, they're immediately working at their new job. 
<clears throat> Although, uh, so according to this, Martin reports that probably the scariest element of military recruitment is that for basic officer positions, a series of mental testing and psychological testing was not necessary. It is feasible for a Marine to get back to the States from a deployment to Iraq, get out of the military, and then start patrolling the streets of L.A. in a matter of a few months. Now, think about that for one moment, because what he glossed, what I, was, I think might have been glossed over there a little bit, is that normally, if you're Joe Schmo and you go into the police department in your town and apply for a job, you will be subjected to a battery of all sorts of psychological tests. You'll have to appear before a board of police officers and be, answer several questions on the spot. There's all kinds of tests that one has to take. I know this. I had uh, the, my, my former girlfriend, her sister was becoming a police officer down in Florida, and it was a grueling, endure, long, arduous process. So what they're saying here is if you've been in the military... Not grueling and not arduous enough. If you've been in the military, they just they waive most of those tests. Well, they figure since you've been in the military, you don't need the psychological test. But it seems to me that if you've been in the military and seen, especially if you've seen combat, you absolutely need some psychological tests. You could be nuts. PTSD, anyone? Anyway, recruiters told us, uh, again, excuse me, police work is the easiest and most lucrative thing for a former Marine or military person to transfer to, especially infantry kids who receive no real job training while in the military, said Martin. To us, police work is the closest civilian equivalent of the patrolling that we did in Iraq. I think it's safe to assume that the more grunts we give, or rather we make and give combat experience, the more militarized our police departments will become. Running through this entire story, we can find a microscopically thin thread of hope in the reluctance of at least some military and police personnel to serve in the regime's apparatus of repression. But the generational trends Bill describes will only grow worse as a law enforcement as law enforcement assimilates veterans of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have on the mindset on tomorrow's police recruits. In his fascinating Iraq War account, Generation Kill, Evan Wright describes his experiences as a reporter embedded in one of the first Marine units to invade Iraq in 2003. One lieutenant describing the Gen X and Gen Y youngsters fighting in Iraq observed that during World War II, when the Marines hit the beaches in the Pacific Campaign, a surprisingly high percentage of them didn't fire their weapons. These are the Marines. They didn't fire their weapons even when faced with direct enemy contact. Not these guys. Did you see what they did to that town? They effing destroyed it. These guys have no problem with killing. Talking about the military members today. You know, I've heard the these past. same stories in the past that the, the Marines, uh, you know, hit the beach and they didn't fire their guns. And, and um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, it was... Uh, uh, Jack uh, Thompson, who said that, uh, you know, in the, the, the Civil War, that uh, many of those guys were found in the battlefield with their guns unfired because they were taught not to, to, to kill. I don't believe it. It could have been conscripts. That might have been why. I just don't believe it. Um, I, the fact is, <laughs> I'm sure the Marines went on Iwo, Iwo Jima with their, uh, you know, with their Tommy guns firing and their, uh, you know, their M1 Garands uh, clicking off rounds just as fast as they could in order to protect themselves, their friends, and to go after the enemy. Our sin nature notwithstanding, says Greg, any typical human being has exceptionally strong inhibitions where taking another life is concerned. The internal restraint can be subverted by a process of self-seduction in the service of some illicit design. It can be undermined by severe emotional or psychological trauma. For those in the military, it's nullified through patient, deliberate indoctrination, and even then, the psychological impediment to homicide still reasserts itself for many in the military. But Generation Kill includes more than a few young men produced by a deeply nihilistic popular culture who have exceptionally few compunctions about killing. When they're recruited into law enforcement, they will retain both the mindset and muscle memory of trained, remorseless killers. 
1-800-259-9231. So there are a few interesting observations on the melting of the military and the police, and it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get more difficult to discern the two groups as we start to see more military members being utilized in the streets of America. What will Americans be able to do about it anyway? They've got more guns, right? I guess we've got more guns, but most Americans are scared S-less to use them, and of course it's not the appropriate time for that. Mm. I don't recommend violence. I recommend peaceful resistance. I recommend non-cooperation, civil disobedience. We go to your phone calls. You bring up anything. Andy in Michigan. Speaking of guns, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andy. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, Well, uh, a couple of months ago, my wife went to the local hawk shop and picked herself out a handgun. And they have a, a layaway program, which is a wonderful thing because it doesn't require credit or any stupid thing like that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in credit. Um, and she went in there today to pay the gun off and take it home. And the fellow behind the counter asked her, do you have your purchase permit? Purchase hmm. permit. Okay. And she said, well, what would I need that for? And they were like, well, the state requires da 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 Hmm. So, needless to say, she came home angry. And I went on the Internet and did a little research as to what this whole purchase permit thing is. Right. And, of course, the government tries to pass it off as being a safety issue. And I'm they have sure. a questionnaire you have to pass, to, and you have to get 70% on this questionnaire of, of questions that... that People who habitually drool could probably answer pretty effectively, and it just it just brings me to to wondering a couple of things. One being, what would the free market solution be to keeping guns out of the hands of people that are dangerous, if there would be one? When you say dangerous, do you mean like crazy or dangerous as in criminal? Well, uh, I don't think that the distinction is very significant, really. Dangerous is dangerous. Well, keeping guns out of the hands of crazy people might be a little easier than keeping it out of the hands of criminals. I'm not sure how that would um, go on, because criminals can get guns whenever they want to. I mean, criminals have no problem whatsoever. Well, the free market probably wouldn't keep guns out of the hands of crazy people, but it would keep badges off the chests of them. Yeah, I, mean, um. we, what, I would prefer a world where everybody was able to arm up and handle themselves as is necessary. We we may have some instances of some crazies pulling guns, but if there are other people with guns around, then that should be enough to take care of that problem and take care of any crazy people that are stupid enough to uh, to make a move like that. Uh, at least we'd be safer from the criminal element, which is a much more dangerous, uh, unpredictable element. There are far more people, I think, out there willing to do harm on purpose than some crazy man that just you know just doesn't have a, a mind in his head that is doing harm simply because well that's what he's doing i think if what do we you suppose hmm? what do you suppose that we as inhabitants of these these geographical regions that can do to reassert our you know our right to keep and bear arms 
I really don't know what you can do where you are. I know that there was a man, I forget what state he was in. Uh, we had him on the show at one time who was open carrying. He uh, said he planned to open carry. Of course, in the state that he was in, he was not allowed to do that. And he ended up going to jail for it. I don't think anything has changed there. I think you need to get together with like-minded people. And if you don't have enough of them in your area, I really think you need to get to New Hampshire where you can pretty much carry, you can carry openly. You don't have to ask anybody's permission for it. I thank you for the call tonight. We're out of time. Call back if you want to talk more about it tomorrow. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at Free Talk live.com so if uh, any of you out there have questions for for jim edkinson of uh, privacyharbor.com about email privacy internet privacy those kind of things this guy's an expert far beyond anything that we'd be able to ask so if you've uh, always been wondering privacy questions on the internet now's the time to uh, ask so jim the reason that i um the reason that I wanted you on the show was you, you had we had talked about kind of uh, the Sarah Palin incident where her Yahoo account had gotten hacked, and right. I, I guess that just some schmo on the internet um, found out some stuff about her, you know, through maybe her election things. She probably had to fill out social security number or something. I don't know, uh, and answered her Yahoo questions. With that information, got in, changed the password to popcorn, and then everybody in the world could go into Sarah Palin's account. And I, I guess they brought charges against the guy. It should be interesting to see how creative they get with this because they're, you know, I mean, <laughs> people's email accounts get hacked all the time. Only has uh, somebody only gets charged when it's Sarah Palin's. But uh, this could happen. To, this could happen to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it could, and, and that's the, you know, the, her, her issue was that. Uh, her password was not uh, uh, very secure. A lot of people do that. They'll use, you know, the town they were born in yeah. or different things that are relatively uh, well associated with them. Mm-hmm. And that's what this gentleman did. He went in and, through doing Google searches, was able to find, you know, where she went to high school and a few things like that so that uh, by luck he was able to answer the questions uh, that you get challenged with typically when you say you've lost your password or forgot right. it. And um, that's not really a true case of hacking where, I mean, you can call it that, but yeah, it's, it's just, uh, in, in that case, uh, Sarah Palin did it to herself because she, you know, there's a lot of better ways to do a password than that. Uh, the best way I know, a little off subject here, but the best way is to use uh, like the first letters of uh, a song or a saying from a book or something like that that's not really associated with you. Um, you know, like, uh, I guess a, a popular one would be, you know, I grew up dreaming of being a cowboy. You know, I, and then you just, that sort of thing. And right. It's very hard to replicate that or people to guess that. Sure. So well, now, but in that case, that's the password. What about the uh, what? What about the school? When it when Yahoo says, "What school did you go to?" Do you just come up with some answer that isn't the truth, and then if you lose your no, that that is the the challenge. You know, they they yeah. use security questions that are not very secure. secure. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's uh, why Privacy Harbor is significantly more secure, and why one well, would it is want. In- yeah, the, the thing that Privacy Harbor really is trying, uh, and we're not the only ones to do it, a lot of the large companies have come up with encrypted solutions trying to solve the problem that email fundamentally is not secure. Uh, it would be, you know, everybody says that the E in email is uh, stands for electronic mail, and it would be more accurate to refer to it as exposed mail. Mm. It's more like uh, sending your messages in the form of a postcard. Anybody... It happens to handle it along the way, 
uh, can uh, get access to the content. And that's really what happens with email is it hops around the various uh, servers that move the messages over the Internet, and uh, all those servers basically work on what's called a store-and-forward technology. Right. That means they make a copy, and then they forward it on down the line. And all those servers are primarily in private hands. And what they choose to do with it and what they can legally do with the content after they copy it uh, is really not very well defined in law. And they're finding that it has commercial value. Um, sure. That's the, that's the nature of why your large corporations tend to use encrypted systems for all the messages that they're sending back and forth from the various offices. But there's never been a really uh, simple solution for the general public, and that's what Privacy Harbor is about. We've tried to come up with a solution that's not too complicated, that anybody can adopt if they're uncomfortable with the fact that the normal email is not secure. Well, I know for a fact that it is not complicated uh, because Mark here is somebody you really have to hold hands with if you want him to get anything done online. <laughs> and I was blown away when he told me that he was successfully able to open an email account at privacyharbor.com all by himself. It was easier than opening an account with Yahoo or uh, Gmail or anything like that. I mean, they, they literally, the questions were minimal. Well, it's about privacy. They don't ask you a whole bunch of questions, <laughs> you know? And well, it, in a, in a yeah, in a layman's sense, what we've done to help maybe some folks understand why uh, you know we were able to do it is we took a different approach in terms of technology. We basically took the secure socket layer SSL that banks use to do online banking with their customers, uh-huh. and in a sense, we bent it all around and made it to act and function like an email system. So, in terms of the security, it's the same sort of security technology they use when you do online banking. And typically, you know, uh, you're not sending the messages through the the regular email channels. It's using this secure socket layer that is encrypted in itself. And uh, it worked, and now you know why it took it. The biggest problem that we had to solve, and the reason we were four years in development, is we had to find something, an approach that would work, that made it real easy on people. Uh, Because if you have to send a a message, a secure message to someone using, for instance, like Symantec has a a service out called uh, Message Guard. But if you send a message using Message Guard to someone, they have to go through like six different registration steps on the other side just to be able to unlock and read your message. Yeah. Well, who's going to do that? Well, I don't do that, it. Yeah, I've noticed that the spam filters out there that some some of them require me to send an email. But after I send somebody an email, then I have to send an email back or sign up a, with a password right. or all kinds of things. And that's, you know what? That's, what that's, the email I was sending right. you wasn't that important anyway. Sorry, I'm right. just not interested in your spam blocking crap. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the the, the sort of the, the the issue with email is we're all locked into this real simple foundation, the email foundation that was laid down at a time when nobody was worried about spammers sure. and hackers and things like that. And These were, these the were scientists communicating adopted. across the world. I mean, they, they, they didn't yeah. care whether the other scientists read their stuff. <laughs> but it, it is a, uh, there's been a lot of uh, exposures of email. What, uh, I mean, there's, like one of our, our clients is a uh, big-time uh, PI, and uh, um, I think we've got him on our website, uh, out of California. And uh, he knows just how non-secure email is because 
uh, I mean, it exists on your computer after you send it. Well, in our case, it doesn't. The only place it exists is down at our servers that are secure. Mm-hmm. You know, when when uh, typically when you buy a computer from someone and you uh, a used computer, all those old records and things are on there, and that's one of the reasons why. You know, it's just the copies of emails that exist out there are what you have to worry about. You know, so, if you... anyway, it seems to work, and it's it uh, uh, the problem that we were solving is. I mean, I always like to use the analogy. When telephone service first came out, uh, everybody, your audience is probably all too young to remember what a party line was. I, I, I remember. Everybody was on a party line, mm-hmm. and when and it really didn't work for a lot of people. And the phone business itself did not take off big time until private lines came out, private numbers, and all kinds of laws now protect. Well, are supposed to protect your phone conversations. Yeah. And that doesn't exist in the Internet world. Uh, and um, so we, we think that people's communications have an implied privacy that should be protected by the technology that they're using to communicate with. The only way so. you're going to get that privacy on the Internet, though, is uh, if, if you take steps to get it. Well, that's the way privacy has always been. I mean, you always have to take a few extra steps and you always have to spend a little bit of extra money. But luckily, right. from what I understand about PrivacyHarbor.com, you can actually go and you don't have to spend any money. And the steps are relatively simple. So uh, You can try it out. Um, it, you know, well, you our, 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 our idea is that we want we, – the reason we offer a free account, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a limited account. Mm-hmm. But it's not limited that much. If someone just wants to do private communication as opposed to doing non-secure communication with normal email, they can sign up and get a free account. But – we estimate, based on the results, we get about one out of 15 that, that want more. In that case, they set, step up to a personal account, and they pay 4.95 a month. But, and that seems to work. It's a decent model, and it's yep. one way to introduce people. Someone who really wants to use it for business, uh, where they're doing it, you know, they're sending 10, 20 emails a day. Uh, the limited account to the basic account is not going to work for them. But for casual use, for individual use, it's more than enough. And... and to spread the word, kind of like uh, the way Hotmail did originally, or some of these antivirus uh, softwares do, you give away some of the service for free, and that's mm-hmm. what we've been doing with our basic account. It's a great internet and model. So we have, we, it works. Yeah, we have accounts. Uh, we have users all over the world. In I like to say, uh, we have users in all every continent of the world except one. Antarctica. Maybe that'll change someday. <laughs> I hope so too. I hope you have lots of users in China. Yeah. I hope that people are getting, uh, you know, getting emails out of there, and and yeah, that way, that's a great the, idea. You know, whatever. Surprisingly, the... we do. Surprisingly, we do. And I have no idea how it hopped over there, because when people communicate with one another, they, you know, the knowledge of it spreads. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Word of mouth is a very um, effective advertising. How long has Privacy Harbor been around for? Well, we've been in R and D. We were in R and D for a little over four years, and we actually started offering the the, the product, the service, just a few months ago. To wow. the, I mean, offering the service to the public, and we're just now actually beginning to crank up our sales and marketing. Uh, we had tried oh, probably ten different versions of it. The main problem we had to overcome is we had to make it real simple on your contacts, because that's the key to having a good usable program. You can't push the burdens and the, uh, the issues onto your contacts. You just have to be able to communicate with them just as easily as you do with email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the biggest challenge. 
Especially if you're a business person and you're you're doing right. business, you cannot expect the 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 client to take all these other steps. Uh, you can't. No. It has to be easy for them to use. Right, and and a lot of businesses, you know, they're falling under laws today that say that they have to provide a secure means uh, for their clients to communicate with them because, like, a, one of our clients is an insurance agency, and. Even though they tell their clients not to do it, they'll send you know information about here's my account, here's my driver's license number, here's this. Well, you should not send that kind of stuff through normal email. No, it's not secure. Uh, it's not just that it's not secure. A lot of people say, well, why is it not secure? Uh, typically, these SMTP servers that I was talking about, like for instance, if I send a message to you, uh, I if if you can open up the uh, the properties of that message and look up in the, it'll it'll tell you every server that it hops through to get from me to you, a regular normal email. Mm-hmm. Well, in all likelihood, each one of those servers they're not hardened, they're not secure, uh, and so forget the people who own it and what commercial use they may make out of your contacts or my contacts in our conversation. The fact is that uh, hackers can get in to those servers and put or what called sniffing programs on those servers, watching for certain email conversations that they can copy and then send to a third party. Right. If you, well, I, I can imagine if I can imagine totally that they could design some little sniffer program that would look for you know digits that looked like a social security number or maybe right. driver's license number would be harder because they change they're they're different from different states. But of course, if they run this real ID act through, then they'll all look the same. But uh, right. I, I, I would say totally. I'm looking for. I'm looking to find out what so and so's talking to such and such about. Well, all I need is one of the email addresses and put a sniffing program on one of the servers that they most likely go through. Uh, uh, t- you know, you don't. You, you tend to go through one or two or three different servers every time you send a uh, an email. Yeah, I imagine. Um, and so that's w- only one problem. The other problem is that we allude to is. Sometimes you're in a business and you have to, uh, just as an example, let's say I'm a CEO of a large company and I'm having a conversation about some pending layoff or something like this. Uh-huh. Do I really want to do that, have that communication uh, occur through regular email? I would think because not. The, because your, your email administrators, they're human beings and... They're just as curious as the next guy. And in one recent survey, it was a highly credible survey, where they were assured confidentiality, uh, these IT administrators that take care of company email systems, 35% of them admitted to snooping through their boss's email. No, I've seen it we, done. When we first read that uh, that uh, liner on our show, first read that advertisement, uh, one of our chatters, or at least a couple of our chatters in our chat room admitted to it. They said, yeah, I've, I've done that stuff before. Oops. Unfortunately, we uh, just lost the call there. It's Jim. Hey, there he is. Yeah, somehow we got cut off. I don't know. Yeah, well, there's a continent between us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hot topic uh, about uh, internal confidentiality to business. Because, um, you know, it just, it's it's uh, one of the reasons why if you're dealing with sensitive information, a lot of business people will only use the fax machine or telephone. Are fax machines so, secure? I guess they're, they're as secure as the for, telephone, yeah, right? They're, they're, well, as long as you know where it's going on the other end. Yeah. But, uh, no, people can't hack into, uh, you know, 
So I can see why business people would definitely want it. How about the the average individual? I mean, a lot of people want to be private on the internet, but um, what's what are what are some of the bad things that can happen with the average well, individual? You know, when you say privacy, I, I like to make the point. You know, when you talk about privacy, it's sort of like one of the famous ex presidents once said that depends on what the definition is is. Mm-hmm. Um, privacy has lots of different definitions, and everybody has privacy statements. The way we define it is that privacy means that your information that you generate belongs to you and you only, or the person that you're uh, you're communicating with. And most of your services out there, in one form or another, that especially those that offer any kind of free email service, sure, they harvest the content of those communications. Now they do it in such a way; it's done commercially. They, but they do it in such a way, so really what they're looking for is just keywords. And based upon the keywords that you use in your communication, it will reveal your, your, um, your commercial value. Your, if you're talking about mortgages, uh, there's a lot of on, people that are willing to advertise with online media companies to get uh, their advertisements to people that are in any way indicating that they're interested in mortgages. Yeah, if the word mortgage pops up in their email, I'm willing to yeah. pay X to talk to them. Or, or uh, you know, there's. I think I, I looked uh, somewhere, there's like 3,500 commercial keywords that they all look for. And it's pretty sophisticated. That Google is probably the worst offender in the sense that when you send a message to a Gmail user, and I don't care what you're talking about, if it's anything, has any commercial value, or, or content to it whatsoever. And I was showing a doctor who uh, we were, I was talking to, and he, uh, he sent a, an email using his regular email to someone who uh, tests Gmail account that we have set up. And he was talking about a fairly esoteric uh, disease. And lo and behold, here are these uh, drug advertisements and things uh, specifically related to that disease started showing up uh, on the right of the message when it arrived at the Gmail account. Hmm. Well, that's that's a little disturbing to me. Uh, if if I'm talking to someone about my mother's cancer, do I uh, do I really want you know the, the the commercial advertising world to to add that to my profile? Because that's really what they do is they have these huge data banks of profiles that are organized by email address and IP address. And every time they can get access to anything users generate that will help enrich the definition of what this profile is all about, you know, who, you, who you're talking to, what your current interests today are. You know, in the advertising world, it's not just your demographics. It's what you're interested in and then the sort of the trifecta, the really high value. In other words, I may be a person that's interested in fishing. I'm male. I'm so old. All that's basic demographic and interest. Right. But the fact that I may, through my course of my email communications, interest reveal that I'm looking at a particular car to buy a particular car today. Yeah. Now, that's a real high value to an advertiser. And they pay these media companies. This is one of the reasons why this, this kind of invasive technology to people's privacy, it's one of the reasons why online media is just kicking uh, advertising is just... Uh, all the money's running to online ads. You know, it's growing and growing every year. When, yeah, uh, traditional, it's just, just caving. 
Yep. When you oh, look it's at front all going online, that's what I do for a living, and I can tell you that uh, you know tra- the traditional advertising venues are you know they're go- people are spending less on them, but online they're spending right. more and more. Online still doesn't meet obviously traditional uh, uh, points, no. but it's going to, and it's going to relatively soon. Right. Yeah. If you're a a, a, a restaurant. And you want to advertise uh, to people that have somehow revealed that they're interested in your particular type of food and your zip codes. Uh, they can get it down to that fine a degree of, of, of footprint in terms of where your ads show up. And it's not just that the online cable's going that same way, too. Uh, it isn't going to be too long before, you know, you're sitting in one zip code and looking at an, an ad at the exact same time on the exact same station that someone else is seeing a different ad. Yeah. Because why? Uh, it's all about local advertising. That's where it's all going. And as it moves local, it has to get more invasive. See? And, and, and it becomes more dependent upon gaining access to user-generated information. I think that's, that's how they, they're able to target people. As, as little or as much as uh, one might, uh, you know, care about revealing their online, uh, you know, uh, facts to you know, these big advertising companies, the fact is everybody wants, um, you know, an account where they can be secure and have a private, you know, send private right. emails now and then. Some people are going to certainly want to not want to avoid having their uh, profile out there. I can only imagine I've been using uh, Gmail for three or four years now, I'm sure everything about me is collected at this point. But um. They're not the enemy. I mean, they're not the devil, but, you know, they, they really are smart, and they really are, uh, you know, when you hear some of the stuff that they have coming with Chrome, their, their new browser, mm-hmm. and, and why they're moving uh, to actually coming out with a browser. At the bottom line, it's all about knowing what people are doing. and It's user-generated content, having access to it, because... The, 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 great, the more they can define you, I call it your digital DNA, if you will, the mm-hmm. more they can really define you, the more they can uh, revenue they can earn from advertisers. And, you know, it's fine. It's the new world. But at least people ought to have a choice. If I have certain things that I want to deal with, particularly in business, if I'm, if I'm uh, selling cars, I don't want my mere act of communicating with someone about a particular car to all of a sudden generate spam and other ads about that same car to that same prospect. I'm shooting myself in the foot as a business person using email that way. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a real estate... You'll choose to do... Right. If you're a real estate agent in town and you're sending emails or um, or mortgage broker or whatever you're sending emails to a client, then yeah. other mortgage brokers and other uh, real estate agents' ads are popping up alongside um, your email to your clients. That's a bad thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty sophisticated. I even showed this to a um, a cabinet manufacturer. He's a local cabinet manufacturer here. We're up in, near Portland, Oregon. And he didn't quite say, well, you know, I've, I deal on a national level, and I sell all my accounts are big national accounts. And I said, well, let's do a test. And it was his direct competitors that showed up at that Gmail account advertising right next to his message. That's going to be painful. See, it's not just what you say. It's these profiles that they've maintained that are organized by your email account. So they already know what business you're in when you send an email. So what's the likelihood? I mean, sort of the the, the plums or the cherries that they're looking for are businesses that are communicating with with people because they know the chances are they're talking about, the in this case, he was talking about cabinets. And 
So who would like to advertise their cabinets? Um, it was a direct, in essence, he had his direct competition showing up right next to his messages. Well, just because Gmail does it in the open with the way they do it, doesn't mean the others aren't doing it via spam. Because if you can, we've done tests here where you can, if you start talking to one of your email contacts about something like, uh, I've got a friend who's a big wine broker, and he and I started going back and forth one day talking about wine, and within a day, I, I bet you I had five or six of these uh, buy wine here or wine packages or wine club. Well, how do they, and, and he uses regular email. Hmm. They, so now does that hurt me? No, nah, but it doesn't make me feel good. So the spammers were you, you were you were getting spammed oh, yeah. by one. That's what drives a lot of the spam. I see. Is the, is is they they um, that it, where do you think they how do you think they target that? They don't just flood it out there. They would like to oh there's somebody at this IP address talking about this thing. Well okay let's let's shoot ads that way. Makes and that's sense. The sophisticated way that spam works. So, Jim, um, tell people how they can uh, go and, and try out privacyharbor.com and, uh, you know, what they can expect from the experience. Well, they can, uh, uh, you know, there's, I'm not going to tell you, it's, it's perfect, it's great, and all this other stuff. We're still working and making it better and better every day, but it will work for private communications as good as regular email today. There, uh, so you can sign up uh, and get the basic account. It's free. Uh, if you want to take a look at the, uh, the personal account, which is a fuller account and has more features and functions, there's even an executive account. Uh, there's a lot of other additional features that are in there. For instance, whenever in the, uh, the for-fee uh, uh, accounts, for instance, when I send a message to someone and they read it, I know exactly when they've read it. That way I know when to follow up with them. That's some higher-level features you don't get in the basic account. But for someone who just that would be convenient. Oh yeah, in business, it's I, convenient. I, it's one of the simpler things that we did, and yet it's probably one of the things that people like the most is uh, they know someone read the email, so now they can call them or this or that or whatever they're doing. Hmm. Uh, and we started out to serve businesses, but we came up with this idea that you know everybody, everybody should be entitled to uh, have a uh, their their communications private and secure. As a matter of fact, we believe in it so much, in the near future, we're launching a site called the Privacy Movement. The Privacy and what? it's going to be the Privacy Movement. Okay. It's going to be a social site where anything and everything that anybody wants to know about privacy, there's going to be all kinds of neo free, free little tools and things to help ensure your privacy. It's going to be independent uh, we are going to sponsor it because we believe that there should be some fundamental things that people should, should be able to do over the Internet without having it come at the expense of their privacy. And the three main things, there's several, but more than that, but there's three main ones, and that's email, search, and chat. Right now we've got email up. Soon we're going to have search up, and then we're going to have chat up. You should not, just because you're searching for something, uh, people should not be making use of that user-generated information. It's the hmm. same issue, but in a different venue. Uh, when you go to the library and you look up a book or you're researching some information, should other people be making commercial use out of your efforts? 
and what you're doing. Not if and you want them. No. Not if you don't want them to. I mean, you should be right, able to. Exactly. Uh, you know, privacy so, is what you make of it. I, I think. And uh, so basically, we're going to have a search anonymizer. You can use any search engine you want, but it'll make your IP address anonymous. That's coming. And then we're going to have anonymous chat. And that's those are the three big things that people don't expect to be having their their user generation. Uh, the user-generated information harvested mm. every time they go out and use those basic utilities. So uh, that'll be out in about a month, and it's there's not going to be fees or anything, and it's all about promoting for us. We want to promote the notion that uh, you have a right to privacy, and, and here are some – some of the tools are really simple. Like, for instance, um, you should never give out your email address Put it like you go to all these websites, you'll see where someone's typed in the text of their email address. Yeah. That if they just converted that text to a picture, guess what? Computers couldn't see it. That's where they harvest most of the email address. They have these crawlers going around all the website, and anytime they see an email address, the at is how they recognize it, they grab it, and it feeds this whole spam engine that's out there generating all this spam. Right. Well, just by converting it to an image, Computers cannot see pictures; they can see text. It's a great suggestion, and I that imagine you'll little, have you, I imagine you'll yeah. have more suggestions like that uh, up on your website. We're running out of time, unfortunately, for yeah. uh, for the interview today. But uh, we really appreciate having you on, and people can go to privacyharbor.com, get signed up for their own secure email account. Right? Thank you yeah. for every everything you're doing, Jim. I appreciate it. Well, hey, it's fun. <laughs> I love talking to you guys. Thanks a lot. Yep. If you find any more uh, privacy-related uh, news stories, send them my way. I'll do that. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Have a good night. Again, that's privacyharbor.com.